Hey, this is Aaron Plessinger, and you're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. Hi, this is Colt Fasciati. You're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. We're back from MX of Nations, episode 96 tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Lord, oh, Lordy, we got just a few more episodes before we get to episode 100. Uh, long weekend up at Redbud. It was pretty freaking rad. I've got Mr. Craig Martin back in studio tonight. He was up there with me. Say, what's up, Craig? What's up? Craig picked a song tonight, a little sad but true. It was sad but true. <laughs> it was. It was. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. All right, episode 96 of the Moto X-Pod show is brought to you by Torque One Racing. You guys, uh, TorqueOneRacing.com, check them out for handlebars, pegs, levers, brake pedals, shifters, all kinds of really rad stuff. Grips, I'm going to have some of those in stock soon that I'll be taking to the tracks. Also, Fly Racing. Uh, Craig, tell them a little bit about Fly Racing. Fly Racing is uh, the choice of champions. Right? I think so. You I mean, I'm a, I I, I'm a past champion. I'm not yeah. really a champion anymore, and yeah. my championship doesn't really count. But uh, You can't win without fly racing. No, you cannot. Yeah. Kind of like X-Brand goggles, you know. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah. Hand in hand. <laughs> fly racing sponsors, guys, like Zach Osborne, Weston Pike, Blake Baggett, Dakota Alex, Benny Bloss, Texas Fast Kid, John Short, and many others. Hell, Damon Bradshaw wears fly racing. Check them out at flyracing.com. The, the beast from the east. With the new Evolution DS2, the light hydrogen, kinetic shield, mountain bike gear, um, the new F2 carbon with MIPS, and lots of really, really cool stuff coming soon. Uh, Monster Energy Cups this weekend. They may even have something special for that. We'll just have to wait and find out. Uh, you know anything about that, Craig? I know nothing. You know nothing. I know nothing. Yeah, I know nothing either. I am on the outside, but I've been trying to get him to tell me or show me, and he will not. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. One of these days, maybe I'll have enough stroke where I can get some of that uh, insider information on fly. I couldn't even get a catalog this year ahead of time. It's tough. <laughs> I know, I know. There's, uh, there's a lot goes into making a brand uh, strong. Right. And a lot of is the timing of when items come out. And, uh, you know, having special uh, dates that they pick as far as marketing goes and everything is really important. So... Um, obviously fly is doing awesome and 
our guys that are doing the marketing of it are doing an awesome job. So whatever they say goes. Absolutely. You know, like, I mean, it's obviously growing. We we saw the new truck out at Redbud this weekend. That's going to be at all the Supercross races. Yeah, it was awesome. Two-sided, big semi, you know, with tents out of both sides. Unfortunately, it was sitting in the mud. And yeah. It was a bad way to break it in. But uh, they used it a couple of weeks ago at, at some big snowmobile event. That's what JT and, was uh, saying last night on Pulp. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, but it, uh, it's good to see the brand's involvement and the, and the dedication to the sport. And I'm told that that's not the only rig that will be at a Supercross. Though. Oh, cool. Cool. So, I can't wait for Fly to more take, than that. take over, blow Supercross up. It's going to yep. be so, so rad. Moto X-Pod Show is also brought to you by Shock Socks, the original and number one 10-second removable fork seal protector. Hit up BurnMotorsports.com or your local dealer. Ask them about Shock Socks. And, of course, MX Girl Designs for all your graphics needs. Uh, she specializes in vintage bikes, but she'll do new bikes, mini bikes. Uh, she can do personal little stickers, little mini number plate stickers for your car. Pretty much anything you want, Char can hook you up. Char at mxgirl.com. Let them know that you heard about her on the Moto X Pod show. All sport dynamic wrist braces. These things save your wrist. They're like a helmet for your wrist. I believe in them. Been wearing them since 2007. Many other guys wear them. Uh, Alex Ray, Joey Savacci, Adam Cincirillo, Wesson Pike. They, they trust them. Major League Baseball players, NFL players. Go to motocrosswristbrace.com or you can email me at darksidemx3 at AOL. And, of course, Mad Jack Synthetics. Dane Evans and Mad Jack Synthetics is an independent dealer of Amsoil Synthetic Oils. You guys know how involved Amsoil is with our sport. So call Mad Jack Synthetics, 805-531-9551. They can, get you, they can make you a dealer. They can get you just individual stuff. You just want it for your own bikes. Uh, some of our listeners have already hit up Dane and become independent dealers. He'll help you out. And that's at Dane Amsoil Guy on Instagram and at Dane underscore Evans 393 on uh, Twitter. Check him out on, uh, he's, he's all over the place. He's on Facebook and then also madjackdiesel.shop, amsoil.com. Okay, so a lot of talk on MX of Nations, uh, a lot of people upset. Kind of a disappointing, that's probably an understatement, disappointing uh, results from our guys. We're all bummed. But overall, I had an amazing time. I know you had an amazing time because I got to hang out with you and Skippy and Mouse Saturday a little bit, trying to trying to watch the pit bike race. But, uh, yeah, give me your thoughts on the event. The event was awesome. Um, I never have been to anything. This was the Woodstock of motocross racing, in my opinion. There was 60,000 drunk, <laughs> you know, dressed up muddy ankle deep you know just crazy the amount of people that were there and how enthusiastic they were and you know the conditions weren't optimum they uh those of us that i was in a tent you were probably in a tent you know mm -hmm. th those poor people that were out there just standing on the side of a hill that you couldn't hardly even get enough grip on the side of the hill oh yeah to stand yeah man there that's awesome you know yeah. to see that many people out there just standing out there just waiting for the rain to come and not caring. No, they awesome. were everybody was having a blast. And you're right. I actually walked around to um, the backside of the first turn, which is on a hill. The backside of that's on a big hill. Uh, Berluti was out there in the general public watching, and he told me where he was. I went looking for him. And, yeah, walking down the hill, there was just people falling. You couldn't really yeah. – you were just lucky if you didn't fall. And there's people out there, they were wrestling in the mud and sliding down the hill in the mud and – I, it just you know you see you see stuff like that sometimes at the nationals they'll show a little clip maybe you know in between motos of the people doing that and it was like that all weekend long yeah absolutely cars stuck out in the parking lot 
just yeah, it was nasty. We went to the airport and we pulled in, and Villapoto's car was sitting there in the in the uh, <laughs> I saw Skippy, rent, yeah, yeah, in the rental car thing because he had posted a picture of it, and I was like, "Look, that's Villapoto's car," because yeah. it was all covered in mud. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy, but you know, overall the 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 atmosphere with all the vendors, you know, the entire industry was there. Um, every rider that has ever done anything in this sport was there. Most of them you didn't even recognize because they're all getting older and you know just like all of us are and um but it was just really cool you know from the the legends dinner on friday night i was lucky enough to be a part of that and get in there although i'm not a legend i was just the guy that was paying to sit with one um got to sit with ronnie machine all night and uh but you know just from from that to the pit bike race to the actual racing itself to the pageantry of how they do the intro and the, and the introduction of the teams um, the the entire event from one end to the other, I just got to hand it to the Richies. They've got a heck of a mess going on up there as far as just you know cleaning up the place. Yeah, did you see the pictures he posted? I did not actually. Yeah, he, or actually, I think it was um, Jeff Stanton that posted the pictures. He may have you know copied them from the Richies, but it was a picture, a beautiful picture pre race of the overhead of the track, and then the next pictures were just the trash left over that they had to pick up over the next. Yeah probably month yeah yeah and and you know i've been a promoter and i've done a lot of big events and there's a lot of a lot of headaches that come after the event you know fences are all busted down and broke and i was watching people standing on the fences that first corner i saw people up there straddling that fence that fence was 20 feet high yeah and there's people up there straddling that thing just to get a better bird's eye view of what's going on and uh what they don't understand is they just destroy the place but, you know, that's part of it. You're, you're going to have a big event like that, and you're going to sell beer. You're going to have problems like that, too. For sure. You know. I mean, I, I have to say I had nothing but a good time. Um, poison Lyric. Uh, just I felt welcomed by everybody. Got to do a lot of really cool interviews. And, hey, just uh, real quick, I said a second ago this is episode 96. It's actually episode 97. So three away from 100. There you go. But um, some of the highlights for me were obviously – just seeing Wyndham and Sipes do so well in that B main, that was really cool. But outside of the racing, um, got to meet a lot of really cool people, including a lot of our friends or our fans, you know, and we were out there and you were standing there with me when, uh, Jennifer Latour, who she, she won the, the gear, the fly women's light gear Absolutely. and her husband came down and I just so many people that I'm surprised that listened to our show. There was a lot of people, um, people saying hi and uh, it was one of the highlights for me was actually I was standing next to Weege at um, at the Kawasaki truck, I believe, and there was a guy down at the other end that was like, dude, Dark Side, what's up? And I said, what's up, man? Hey, Weege is here. And he's like, yeah, just Dark Side, don't care. And, and Weege <laughs> just looked over and said, look at that. Or, you know, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. But, um, you know, Dave Drakes with the collective experience got to bump into him, which I don't know if you've ever met Dave. He's a really, really good dude. Yeah. He's, he's got a cool thing. Just that was the most fun part of it for me. Like, the racing, when the racing's going on and you're at a national, you could only see a little piece of it, it seems like. So I'm kind of like, eh, I'm just sitting there watching the monitor anyway. It was all the other stuff that I had fun with. Yeah, same with me. I, you know, I, I like I said, I was in a tent most of the time yeah. down there in one of the VIP tents. And it was at the bottom of the hill, and all I could see them coming off the start. They get through the couple of chicanes there, yep. and they just drop down. Well, I could see them drop down. Mm-hmm turn a corner and then there's a big jump where I couldn't see him go past the jump and then going up the big uphill triple I could see him and okay. that's all I could see see I could two see. days I was standing in the above the mechanics row in that little tower mm-hmm. so all I could see was the start the first right hander the left hander and them drop down yeah and that was it yeah and the rest was on monitors but yeah. and I thought about moving around but 
It's man, I'll just watch it on the monitor and stay right here and, and come home and watch it. That's what exactly. I did last night. I, I flew in and I, I instantly sat down in my chair and I actually fell asleep a couple times. Yeah, but I watched all three motos because I wanted to see the whole thing. Unfortunately, in the motos, you know, the one thing that I noticed was the American guys weren't really shown very much. That's what um, I kept hearing. I, you know, I've seen that on social unfortunately, media. <laughs> the results just weren't something that was worthy of putting it on TV. I guess. Right, but. Um, but the the good thing was I got to see him enough in person and and uh, definitely have some opinions as to you know maybe why some of it really wasn't working out for them mm-hmm. and um, why some of the European guys were just so much better. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. We've got Ben Lemay coming up in about ten minutes, so um, we'll probably try to wrap up with a little more of our maybe while we're talking to some of these guys, we'll get our opinions in about the reasons. Um, you know, there's a lot of those people, the keyboard warriors that are, oh, they suck. They, you know, blah blah blah. That's a bunch of crap. They don't suck. There's just, yeah. there's just differences in styles, and you know, and then there's, oh well, you know, this is an excuse. A bad start's an excuse, or you know, Aaron Plessinger told me that he was feeling the effects of his crash Saturday a little bit, and oh, that's an excuse. I mean, there's reasons things happen, and you can call it an excuse if you want, but things happen for reasons, and we didn't show up. We had our issues. Um, it just is what it is. Yeah, yeah, like I said, it is sad but true. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> good. I feel honored to have seen Cairoli and Hurlings in person. I don't know that I'll ever have that chance again because I don't see myself getting to a GP unless there's one in the U.S. Yeah. So, I, look, these guys are amazing. Give them credit. But how about Koldenoff? I mean, that kid was impressive. Yes, he was. Um, I'll be honest. I don't follow GPs like I should. I didn't even know who the guy was. On oh, really? Saturday, I was like, who's this guy in front of Barsha? Number 259? I, 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 he runs I, Stu's number. I, I'm a failure. <laughs> but I promise you I'm paying for the GPs next year. I'm going to yeah. buy that, that package and, and watch it. Yeah. Because those guys were just unreal. Yeah. You know, Keeper said it, man. He said he's been saying it for a long, long. Hurlings is the best ride in the world. And motocross. Yes. Yes. And going into this, I kept saying, I don't think you can decide that on one race. And I'm going to change that opinion. He's he's the best ride in the world. Well, there's, you know, Overall, when you look motocross. at, when you look at uh, both those two motos in Indiana last year, the GP. And now, you know, two motos, actually three motos, including the qualifying yeah. here in the U.S. You know, he's definitely put it out there enough times to say, okay, six out of seven times he killed us. Yeah. And honestly, you know, he started dead last in that qualifier, fell down. And fell down. Went in the pits. pits yeah, that's the key. Got, got the truck work, her bike worked on, and then came back out. And honestly, if Eli's bike hadn't broken, he probably would have passed Eli yeah. in that same race. Exactly. So, and that I think that was when I decided, like in my mind, Eli's not making up any time. Yeah. You know, these our guys are not making up any time. And watching that, I was like, well, it's just hard. These guys are all fast. They're struggling. The track conditions look bad. Mm, excuse me. And then all of a sudden, I'm looking at the, the, the positions on the board, and Hurlings is just coming from yeah. the back. And Okay, well, all that thought of it's hard to pass is null and void because yeah. he's doing it. And you can't blame bikes. You can't blame anything because, you know, Jorge Prado on a 250F led the thing, yeah. both motos, for a while, and um, or was in the top three in both motos. Um, ben Watson was top three. Um, Lawrence was got second. I mean, so – you can't even say that it was bikes. You can't say anything. There was some strange things that happened with, you know, the fact that um, flat tires happened with no yeah. mooses. Um, starting gates got left open that were prime, <laughs> prime, prime starting gates. You know, I don't know why all that stuff happens. I don't know if it's the 
lack of a group effort where they're really talking to each other and letting each other know what their plans are. Um, I, I really don't know what what causes that kind of stuff, but you know, like JT said, and I did I did hear this part that in 2012 he was nobody racing for nothing, and he ran bibs every single race. Right. And so, you know, it's one of those deals where why why would we not have bibs on? You know, so it'd be and, interesting for to to hear what their thought process was on that. But yeah, and I well I know there's a it's a definitely a different feel. And uh, so there's a lot of times when that feel doesn't work. It's a heavier, slower reacting feel. And right. You got a lot of ruts and everything. Maybe Barsha thought it was a better one. Um, you know, the fact that Kawasaki brought a 2019 bike that was brand new, I thought was a little bit of a selfish kind of thing. Um, worked for Kawasaki for 10 years, loved the company and love half the people that still work there. Um, but this isn't a test. This is, <laughs> this is the Olympics of motocross. And yeah. man, I just really think that we should have showed up with our A game on, and that would have been that bike that he finished the season on, in my opinion. But um, yeah, going into next weekend with the, the motocross or the uh, Monster Cup, um, I just man, I don't know how Eli recovers from that. I, I don't know, and it's uh, got to be in his head for sure. Yeah, you yeah. know, I, I agree with you. Um, and I was surprised. I was texting with Kiefer, and I was surprised that his opinion was very different about the nineteen. Like I blame, I, I put some blame on that bike. Um, I don't think Eli really wanted to ride that bike, just from some things I heard. Um, but then he heard the opposite. He heard Kiefer heard that he was given the option. So that that kind of I don't have a way to decide whether I think it was a bad idea or not. If he wanted to ride it, okay. But I, I think. I think he would have been better off on the 18 with yeah. something he was comfortable with. But if he was forced to ride it, that really bugs me. Yeah. And I, I seriously doubt that riders have a lot to say. Mm -hmm. And, um, the, every thing that I've ever been around in the sport, um, if a rider says that he wants to run a bib or not a bib or wants to run a 19 versus an 18, that's usually what happens. Right. I don't believe that, Kawasaki told him he had to ride a 19. There may have been some discussions that, you know, it would be a really good place to break it down and, and get some testing in and get some real-time race time, blah, 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 blah. And they may have thought that they had this race covered so well. Yeah, that, overconfidence. Yeah. 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 And, um, and I just – I just they must have never watched the GP this year or something. <laughs> I don't know. I, I watch every one of them. Yeah. And Jeffrey Hurlings and those guys are just amazing. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, next year I just – oh, man, I just don't know what's going to happen. It's not going to be good. Right. All right. We're going to get to some more of this in a little bit. Um, before we take our little, little break and get Ben on, uh, we're still giving away the 2019 uh, Fly Racing Toxin Embargo Helmet comes in six color waves. It's enhanced with an integrated MIP system, flyracing.com. Check it out. Uh, if you guys have not entered for this thing, you guys, trust me, some, some of these contests, we don't get a large number of people entering. I don't know if you think there's no way you could win or what, um, but this, this helmet is freaking sick. It's free. Fly Racing is putting it up. You got to thank them for that. Um, but, man, enter the contest. We asked you to post pictures on Instagram with your beat-up old helmets. Um Tag us, tag fly racing doc, or at fly racing, and next week I'm going to pick a winner, or we're going to pick a winner, so please enter this contest, man. I love seeing all the pictures and tags, so get in on this. you got a week left. These helmets are great. They're you know dual-density EPS. They're ECE-rated um, uh, MIPS systems mm -hmm. in them. Um, you know, it's a, it's a mid-price point, I would call it, and um, 
but it has a lot of the upper price point uh, features. And, right. You know, it's it's a uh, it's a helmet we're very proud of, and to be able to bring it in at the price that we do is awesome. Yeah, I think it retails for one ninety nine. One ninety nine. Yeah, and, and the F two is two ninety nine, so it's a hundred dollars under. But um, JT was good enough to let us give one of these away for this contest. So yeah, enter the contest, man. Get let's get them up. I want to see as many pictures of you guys in your busted ass helmets as I can get. <laughs> um, and then of course I still want to remind you guys November eighteenth at Cycle Ranch uh, down in what town is that in? It's not San Antonio. It's outside of San Antonio, right? Yeah. Uh, it's north of San Antonio. There's, there's a town. I, I don't remember. Well, Cycle Ranch, November 18th, is the Fly Fun Day that's being put on. Um, there's going to be so, just tons of vendors and cool things going on out there. Uh, I'm going to be out there. It sounds like uh, representing X-Brand. Um, gonna be, it's going to be free tickets. You'll be going to your local dealers to get those, and we will announce as soon as Todd lets us know when those are available. It's in Floresville, Texas. Floresville. That's right. Okay. So south of Austin a little bit, but um, – it's going to be a really cool event. I hope this thing is packed. I want more people than they can handle. Yeah, I think they had about 600 entries last year. And, um, you know, every every person that shows up, there's a lot of values to be had there. So it's like a uh, kind of almost like a swap meet kind of yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the dealers that are um, want to come, they can be involved. They can get rid of maybe some of their leftover uh, 2018 stuff. Um, and it's not just fly stuff also. There's going to be brand, other brands there. Yeah, yeah. And um, so that's what's really nice is that, you know, it's a fly event, but we're not, you know, just it's all about fly. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, just bulldogging and, it. Yeah. And so it's it's a really cool event. There's going to be a lot of value um, to buy stuff because when you buy stuff, you get tickets into a drawing, and there's a ton of freebies that are going to be given away through that drawing. So not only will you get a, a really good price on something, you're also going to get your you know a lot of freebies. And much like the the, the toxin helmet you're giving away or whatever, um, the amount of people that actually buy things, you know, isn't it, the total amount of people that's there. So your chances of getting something free when we have that much free stuff to give away, um, it's pretty stinking high. So yeah, it's, it's it's definitely a place to, you know, bring some money with you, bring your credit card, whatever, because there's some huge values. And, and uh, not to mention you get to ride one of the best tracks in Texas for all free. day for free. Hey, absolutely. Yeah. So I've never been there, as I've said many times. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. And I hope that you guys come out. If you're anywhere in the area, you can make it out. Um, yeah. I invited uh, Daniel Blair, but he's going to be doing a riding school that day. Talked to Rich Taylor today. He said he's going to try to come out for that. That'd be awesome. So that would be cool. I think there's going to be, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, fly sponsored riders that are in Texas. Guys that may show up. You never know. You never. You may see Andrew Short out there if he's not busy that day. Yeah, he might ride his rally bike there, there, <laughs> there and home. Right, right. You know, I mean, Trey Kennard has been known to come down for some stuff in in Texas. So yeah. you, you just you never know who may show up. We need to make sure that we do mention that Todd Trujillo is the guy that puts this whole yeah. thing together. Yes. Todd does a wonderful job. Um, I am hoping and praying I can talk Todd into putting one in up in uh, you know the Dallas-Fort Worth area for sure. Um, obviously, that's a little bit more local to us and mm-hmm. to my dealers and would help my dealers a little bit more. Um, but the bottom line is, is that I want to be involved. So Skippy and I are going down. Um, Skippy's going to be the announcer, and there's That's nobody right. knows more about fly than Skippy. He knows more than I do. Uh, I'm <laughs> pretty very... sure he might know more than Bob Lowry knows. Right, I don't know. It's right. hard to say. Yeah, he uh, he at the last race we were at out there at um, Badlands at South, uh, South Central. South Central. He was he he parked his bike under my tent, you know, and I had all my stuff set up, and he was 
he was selling. He was selling X brand. He had all the the dual density and he knew all the te- terminology. Man, oh, he was, he's a salesman. He yeah, was killing he's, it. He's, he helped me sell some goggles and yeah. Go see Skippy. Absolutely. So all right, we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with Ben Lemay. First guest of the night is uh, local Texas. He's you know from Alaska. He's an Alaska assassin, but he's he's from Texas now. Mr. Ben LeMay, fresh off the Swan Pro Challenge, man. How are you doing tonight? Uh, not doing too bad. Just uh, had a good day of riding today before the rain came in. Yeah. Well, um, I want to jump right into the Pro Challenge, man. Um, you chose to ride a two chose to ride a two stroke in the two fifty class. What brought that on? Um, really just needed a bike, any, any, uh, 250 just to ride in that class. I wasn't, I didn't want to wait around on the day just to do one moto, mm-hmm. um, the way they changed the schedule this year. So I just got a 252 stroke, um, was hoping that it was going to be at least decent enough where I could keep up, but, um, it was tough. Honestly, it was starts were obviously at Swan, the starts are the most important thing because the track's so fast and one line, everybody goes wide open and uh, I got bad start and it was just pretty much game over from there. Well, in the uh, in the 450 class, you went 3-5 for fourth overall. I mean, how do you feel about your day? What was the track conditions like? Um, you know, just tell us tell us about the day and the racing overall and how, tra- how Swan worked in since we weren't there this weekend. Um, first look, when I got third, I felt like I went pretty good. Um, I came, I, I never really got great starts and I, I mean, I would consider a good start of being top three. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was probably about six or seven on about every start. Um, but anyway, first moto, I rode pretty good. I got third and, uh, Mike and John Phil were already pretty going and I just stayed in third. Uh, second moto, I got a bad start, but I just, um, the way the track just was, I mean, it's the same every year, but yeah. um, I just couldn't make up any ground. Like, literally, I mean, I was, I felt like I was riding good. Um, I was trying as fast as that thing would go, but <laughs> I just couldn't make up any ground on anybody because that's the way the track is. Yeah. Um, so I just ended up just. There's not a lot. I mean, look, Swan is a great track. A lot of people love it. It's fast. It, um, but there's not a lot of really technical places to make up time. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it's like you said, it's a fun practice track, and it's a it's an unbelievable bet track. But for pros, it, it really, I mean, it's not the best. Um, and especially to have a big money race like that at it. I mean, I, I know, you know, if if the money purse wasn't there, we wouldn't have showed up. But you know, because that's there, we all come with very So yeah. Um, I think that, you know, the dirt's amazing, the facility's amazing, and they just need to do some uh, new updates on the track. I don't disagree. Hey, Ben, it's Craig. 
Hey, um, when that race is going on with the Motocross of Nations happening at the same time, was the crowd the same? Because I know you've been there before. Or did it seem like it was just as packed? Or That's usually a huge event. Yeah. I mean, to me, I thought it was pretty good. Um, uh, I mean, we parked in a different spot this year in the pits, so it wasn't quite as packed um, as maybe in the years past. But um, it seemed like there was, I mean, the, the bleachers they have on the side was full, and um, it seemed like all the, all the uh, you know, when you drive in down the fence line, I mean, every, every spot was taken. So it seemed like it was just as, as full, if not, you know, maybe even more. I don't know. That's good. Yeah, it's good. I, I was curious about that Go, going in. I, I really wish the dates had been different because obviously I wanted to be at the Pro Challenge, but there was no way I was missing out on an opportunity to go see the MX of Nations in our country. So I wasn't going to pass it up. Yeah, I, I had a, I had an opportunity to go up there. My team wanted me to come up and hang out, and I was almost going to go, and then I, and I was like, nah, you know what, I'm going to stay in race swamp. Yeah. Uh, that's probably not a bad idea to stay and make a little bit of money instead of spending some money. Yeah, yeah, it'll help pay my rent next month. <laughs> well, um, you know, you came off a, you know, what I thought was a pretty good outdoor season. Um, you know, I, I, we talked to you towards the beginning of the season, I believe. How do you feel about your season after it's all said and done? You know, working with a new team. Like, I mean, how do you how do you feel it went? Um, I think this season was pretty pretty good you know i had uh probably the worst thing that would have happened throughout the outdoors was just some dnf mm-hmm. um you know i've had probably three three or four dnfs probably from just bike problems um and that was nothing from the team that was just uh, a honda failure um that we ended up fixing by the end of the season um but it was just kind of just some weird stuff that just went on um that was probably the worst part of the whole series, but my riding and um, starts were pretty good. Um, you know, and I, I I like the long motos and the tough heat and the track, so, I mean, that's that's where I succeed is when the track's gnarly, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, not like a swan where it's just wide open and six gear. But, um, so, yeah, I thought my season was pretty good. What's the plan for next year? Uh, next year, uh, I mean, I don't have any contracts signed yet, so nothing's set in stone, but, um, most likely I'll probably be riding for the same team. I always did the outdoors with the Phoenix racing Honda team. Um, going to do supercross and outdoors with them. Um, that's the plan right now. Just trying to get everything kind of in, in order and get some, get some stuff signed on paper. And how riding for a team like that versus you know you were you did some stuff with TPJ last year, um, you know what's the positive? Maybe what's a negative? Is there a negative to doing the Phoenix Racing thing? Is there one that you know you know? So I guess what's what does it help? Why is it better to be with Phoenix Racing than TPJ? Um. Well, I mean, there was there was stuff that you know I was still paying for with tpj um like a mechanic and like um uh, you know my travel and stuff like that mm-hmm. where um on this team most of all that stuff is taken care of so well, that's a big help um that that's a big you know thing right there just just in that but um i mean my bike with tpj was good um and i actually rode 
when I went to outdoors, I, I did same motor and same suspension and all that. Um, it's kind of just all the small, the small stuff that really, um, helps a lot with like, when you're done with the race, everything is taken care of. All you got to do is just literally just put the bike on the stand and then you just rest and do you and then you put your helmet on and go back out. You know that everything in between is taken care of for the next race. So, um, where at TPJ, I might have, you know, I had to kind of check things over, make sure I was good, make sure, mm-hmm. you know, everything is ready. So, um, little stuff like that is really what makes a big difference in the rider, uh, when he needs to perform. Are you going to go to the Monster Energy Cup? No, um, I really wanted to, and you know, there was there was a little while in there that we were planning on racing it, uh, but now nah, I'm not going to do it this year. Yeah, you're actually going to you're still going to be at Johnsonville, I'm assuming, for the pro am. Um, possibly. Possibly, okay. I might, I'm, I might back out of that also. I'm not sure yet. Okay, well, I'll, I'll be announcing there, so I'm hoping to see you. Yeah, I want to go, and I probably will go, but. Um, I have a, something else. Uh, I might do some training uh, at Underground the same weekend. Um, so I'm not sh- quite sure yet, trying to figure it out here in the next day or two. Okay, okay. Well, hopefully I'll see you out there. Um, it'll be my first time ever announcing. I'm a little nervous, so I'd like to have some guys out there that I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that'd be sweet. That'd be cool. We'll you, see. I don't know. You, it may not, it may not go know, very well. Do you know what the weather's going to be like? I haven't even looked. I look this weekend because I'm going to ride an enduro, and it's rain both Saturday and Sunday in the area, so not good. Okay. Super. Are you, uh, since you have a two-stroke, are you going straight rhythm? <laughs> Everyone's been asking me that. No, I'm not, I'm not doing straight rhythm. Okay. Well, um, I got a question about the Pro Challenge. Um, so there's some pictures of you and Kieran Thurman off the start. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, I'm assuming, with him reaching over? Yeah. Oh yeah. Fill me in on that because the pictures I've seen with that and then him doing the same thing to Ryder Floyd have me a little bit angry. Um yeah, I don't I don't know. Like okay, start from the beginning. I've never talked to him before. I don't know what he's like. If he's cool, if he's not, if he, if he's super nice, if he, you know, quiet. I don't know. Sure. I don't know him. Um but, you know, like taking off from the gate, uh we were running like I had I don't remember who it was, someone on my left and then he was on my right and we were we were all three rubbing elbows like out of the gate and um then we go down the straightaway just a little bit more and then he takes his hand off and then he he didn't like grab my front brake and, I, and he wasn't even looking, he just took his hand off, you know, because he was looking where he was going. But he grabbed like he grabbed my arm or like my wrist kind of. Um you know, I don't know if he was just trying to do it to get in my head or if he was trying to, like, take my hand off the or, or yeah. whatever. Um, I don't know his intentions. Um, it didn't mess with me any, really. I mean, I could care less. Um, you know, if anything, it kind of would be like, all right, well, next time I pass, you're going off the track kind of thing. You know what I mean? But Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, it don't bother me. I mean, I, I, I deal with a lot of other bigger things in my career uh racing professional supercross and motocross so that that stuff like that doesn't bother me um and um yeah i don't know i mean it's only he knows what he was trying to do and 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 with Ryder, um that that was really to me kind of messed up because the single that he did it on was 
the one of the most dangerous singles on the entire track, um, where you're coming down the big straightaway before the finish line, mm-hmm. um, and you're going 70 miles an hour down that thing, and off that single, he takes 10 off and then, you know, pushes his arm or whatever. Um, that was kind of uncalled for, for sure. I mean, if it was on a slow single, you're in first gear, you know, it's kind of like whatever, maybe, you know, still like, don't do that, but. Yeah, I don't understand whatever, the but. taking the hands off, man. I, I don't, be like you said, maybe he's trying to get in my head. That That is not motocross, in my opinion. I don't know if that stuff goes on at, in the Supercross series. I can't imagine it does. Like, Rubin is racing. Yeah. Somebody posted on Facebook, you know, Ryder's mom posted this picture. That's where I saw it. And she's clearly upset with every right to be, in my opinion. And there's people there going, oh, it's, Rubin's racing. If he doesn't like it, he shouldn't be racing the pros. And that's bullshit, in my opinion. Yeah, maybe you yeah. rub paint. Maybe you bang handlebars. You do not take your hands off. And Jack, that's just not motocross, in my opinion. I think that's – I'm pretty angry with this dude. And um, I like Ryder a lot. And I'm hearing that this Kieran kid's going to be at Johnsonville this weekend, and I, I, I may have some words. Yeah, I don't know. You know, like I said, I don't know what is in his intentions. And, and I mean, he'll he'll deal with it himself. But yeah. um, it's definitely not racing, you know. Like, that's just – that's what you do on the practice track when you're just messing around with your buddies, you know. Exactly. Like, having fun. You know, like, that, that's cool. Like, you go around and, you know, wave at the guy or take your foot off on the jump or whatever. You <laughs> yeah, know? So yeah, yeah. Just, you know, being, being silly, being fun. But on race day when you're out there trying to make a living – you know, and whether or not he was trying to intentionally hurt someone, it's just, you know, keep your hands on the bars, push the throttle, you know, and, and put the tires to the ground, you know. And, and you know, if you got to push them off the track, then do it that way. But don't right. don't go and, don't go and you know, take the hand off or whatever. Uh, I agree. I was over at Maxim Honda today um, doing my job, and one of the guys, he he, uh, he called me over, and he said, hey, did you see this? And he showed me on Instagram the picture of him hitting uh, Ryder, and those guys are all fired up about it and everything. And um, so I know somebody that knows him. I don't know the kid at all. And um, I think it's jacked up. I think it's a stupid thing. Uh, but the bottom line is is that uh, one of his buddies, I called him up, and I said, hey, did you see what this guy did? And he's like, dude, that's how he totally is. He's just jacking with those guys, just having fun. And um, totally lighthearted and everything else. And I said, well, coming right off the heels of that MXG, or, uh, the MotoGP guy yeah. grabbing that front brake on that guy at 140 mile an hour, uh, touching another rider, it's just bad timing. <laughs> Good or bad, whatever yeah. your intentions were, it was kind of a dumb mistake to do. And unfortunately, he's getting the the back end of the whole thing you know, on Instagram. Like anything else that happens in the world, it uh, yeah. there's a picture of everything. So yeah, you got to be careful out there. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, let's shift gears here. So we just came off MX of Nations. I'm assuming you had a chance to watch it. I saw some pictures of you. I think watching it in the uh, the motorhome, I believe, this weekend. Did you get to see the whole thing? Yeah, I watched it in between, uh, in between our motos at Swan. Um, it pretty nice. This track was uh, pretty tough. You know, they added a lot of sand from when I raced Redwood this year. It was it was Rut City, and now it was Berm City. It was just pure sand. So, yeah, and Tim Ritchie apparently said that he only put sand in a couple of sections, but it sure looked like the whole thing was sandier. Yeah, I don't know if it was just how much rain they got and it, and it just made it sloppy and turned into berms. I don't know, but, yeah, it was weird. 
Well, just the the technique of what you saw with the Euros at one of our tracks. Um, you know, what is your opinion? I mean, look, there's a lot of hype coming into this thing. You know, really came. Everybody was talking about Eli Hurlings, who's better. Um, man, a lot of those guys just their technique, their corner speed, their technique through the corners was very, very different from the way you guys ride. It seemed like. What are your thoughts? Um. Well, first of all, I knew coming into the event that none of our guys were going to take good starts. Okay. Uh, I I knew that from the get-go. I was like, it, we are going to be at a huge disadvantage because, yeah, they practice starts, you know, on the on the grate for maybe two weeks or something or maybe three weeks and maybe even a month. But mm-hmm. they've, been, they've been doing the start for eight months now or nine months. They've been doing it every day. For, it's just so second nature to them, and they know, you know, their their grade, I believe, is different than our grade in Supercross. So it's it's just different. Um, so yeah, I knew we were going to be at a big disadvantage there, um, and I believe they're just more technical on the bikes. Um, I, I I wasn't surprised to see them. You know, maybe not. I knew Jeffrey was going to be really, really, really hard to beat, but um, guys like Paul Lynn and Koldenhoff and uh, Anstey, um, guys like that, I, I, I expected us to kind of whoop up on. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I think maybe maybe a little bit of the pressure got to, got to Eli and uh, uh, Aaron. Um, Seemed like Barca did, did his job besides the start. Um, yeah, and he got a flat that last moto. Yeah, um, seemed like he he rode pretty good, um, but the other two maybe maybe hit a little bit of pressure and just not not performing. I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's a good possibility. I mean, look, uh, you know, I talked to AP after the race, and he said. He, he was feeling some results from his crash the day before, and really, though, overall, he didn't know. He's like, I, it just didn't ride good, period. You know, I mean, he, he did take pretty much the, bl- the brunt of the responsibility for his ride, so that was at least impressive. He didn't really give me any excuses. Yeah. Um, I mean, those guys are so good uh, over in Europe. I mean, they, they really are. They're, they People don't understand, like, the speed that they're going. Like, I think Jeffrey is so good that two or eh, not even two because Carole is good too but yeah. maybe three through three through eight get get just underestimated because they they're like you know they're finishing 30 seconds behind them Jeffrey and Antonio when really they're <laughs> the top you know podium guys over here and Jeffrey and Antonio are just on another level so um but yeah I don't know they, they just were on fire yeah for sure yeah, a lot of guys were talking about the track, and you know, at, at the beginning of the event, a lot of people were saying about the sand and everything, and whether there was more put on or not. The thing is, is that none of those other countries have ever ridden that track yeah, ever. True. So whether it changed for us or not doesn't really matter because they never rode it ever. And you could just see. I mean, I was sitting in a corner that had this big giant berm on the outside of it that was all soft and slushy and the american riders would just come into there and just plow into it and stop all their momentum and Coldenoff and jeffrey the, uh, those two specifically they would uh their their front wheel would be about six inches to the inside of that rut 
or of the, of that mud, their back wheel would just slide out yep. to the mud just barely and just barely touch that mud. And and I guarantee if you did a um, like a data acquisition lit tack or lit what is no it? tachometer, yeah, oh. I guarantee that their bikes ran half the RPMs mm. through a thirty minute moto than our American guys did. And you know that's just all technique of experience of being able to ride tracks that are like that you know if you go to belgium in the winter time and those guys are all there and yeah. they're riding it's snowing and raining well, and sandy and it's just crappy and it's it just it just really makes them at home whenever right. they come here and all of a sudden they're in that same situation the corners is something yeah. i the corners is what i noticed the second turn that left-hander right by yeah. the by the mechanics area uh, Barsha and Eli were just slamming into that thing and dropping in the hole and almost coming to a stop yep. while all the other guys were just a gear high, yep. a gear higher, and, and you can't stop the momentum. Through. Yeah, it was it was a thing of beauty, man. Well, you know, like cause especially Coldenoff and and Jeffrey, they're super super good in the sand. Like that's their favorite. And so riding sand, you always got to be a gear taller or two gears taller, front end light. You know, get on the back. So they whether it's sand or mud, you kind of ride it the same. You're, you know, in the mud, you want to save your motor mm -hmm. and they were saving it by being a gear too taller. Um, and they were just lugging the engine around the mud and that's how they were able to just keep momentum, save the, save the bike. And I mean, it, it was flawless for them. I mean, I guarantee you talk to them and they say the track was easy, but everyone else says the track was, you know, tough to just get around it. Right. So, the one thing that they was... were just, Go ahead. Oh, I just saying that they just rode flawless I mean, yeah. all, all weekend. Yeah. The one thing that was completely amazing to me was the amount of bikes that were out there that were smoking on the second lap. I mean, there was a ton of bikes that were overheating on lap two. And you don't see it on TV because I came home and I watched them all on uh, on the TV. Um, you do see some of them overheating here and there, but but. You know, whenever you're watching Coldenoff and Hurlings and Prado and all those guys that were really doing good, their bikes weren't overheating. But all the guys that were from fifth place, eighth place back, they were every one of them was overheating. And um, it just goes to show you that 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 track was really putting a big drain on those bikes and was tough on the motorcycles. So therefore, it had to be tough to ride. And, um, you know, the, the, uh, the cool part about being at the event, the one thing that really was fun that made uh, the, the butt whooping that we got all right was the fact that Pastrana, Wyndham, and Sipes were out there and doing their thing at their ages and, and whipping it and doing backflips. And, you know, <laughs> and then Sipes was just, you know, just charging yeah. hard, you know. So as an American at the event, we hated to see that we weren't finishing the premier event in a good position but as an american at the event we still had some stuff to cheer for and it still was pretty Definitely. cool and by the way we are the pit bike um of nations champions too that's, we did win the, the pit thing. bike race we won all three motos so. <laughs> yeah you, you know one thing that that i uh i've been thinking about for a while and, and i mean because here in the u.s i mean in the on the east coast and even here in texas i mean there's some gnarly gnarly good practice tracks to ride at that are really nice but where the majority of everyone is at in california or on the west coast i think the tracks are are really just too smooth they're always prepped and watered and they're perfect um and everyone rides in the mornings and then they're done by you know noon or one before it gets bad <laughs> yeah and i think you know in europe 
it's either deep gnarly sand or it's super dry, blown out hard pack. And um, I mean, yeah, they, they'll get their good tracks that are you know nice and loamy and stuff occasionally, but majority of the time it's always it's just a track that that's open. And every time I've gone to Europe and ride, it's just oh we're gonna go ride this track today, and you show up and it's like what we're riding here like it's just a track that's open out in the field or you know a hillside or whatever and it's just bone dry and you just go and ride it and they're so used to that i think technically like on the motorcycle they learn so many more skills because they're having to finesse whether it's hard slick or muddy or whatever um and so their skills on the bike are so much better than maybe the majority of the riders here because we might be more used to just holding it wide open on a flat milestone track or something like that. Yeah, back back in the day when I was with Team Green, um, I took uh, Stuart and uh, Graysick over to Germany for the uh, World Junior World Championship, whatever it's called. And um, when the race was over with, I went to France and I actually hung out with a friend that was in France. And he took me to a local track, and it was made out of chalk, like literally chalk, like the chalkboard chalk. The whole track was white, <laughs> and the, it was the gnarliest square edge rough just because the chalk just would chunk apart and fall out. And he said, watch this. And he took a bottle of water, and he poured it on the chalk, and then I stuck my foot on it, and it was literally like ice. Like we talk about our tracks getting like ice. Yeah. This thing was like it was ice. Wow. And so it's just, you know, these guys are out there learning how to ride on this stuff and, and riding as, you know, novice riders and beginners and all this stuff. So and in a couple other tracks that we went to during the times that I've been over there, um, to break in bikes and practice and everything were just stupid. Like we were all just amazed that these people ride this stuff. But hey, you know what? It makes you makes you tough. Definitely. Yeah. Hey Ben, so last thing. Um I saw, we saw a lot of goggle issues because of the weather at MX of Nations. You're an X brand guy. Hopefully, I'm hoping you stick with X brand for 2019. Um, tell me about you know. Tell me what you do on a bad weather day for goggle preps. Anything special you do? You know, whether it be you know rubbing Vaseline on the the foam to keep some moisture out, or any tricks you have. Um, not really. No, I mean I. Sometimes, like, like at Southwood or something, I'll, I'll maybe put some Vaseline on the on the bottom, uh, just to prevent any any sand that if if any does get in the goggle, it doesn't bounce around. It just sticks to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I don't I don't really do anything honestly. Like I, I um, the only thing I'll do is maybe put like a maxi pad on the top of the goggle uh, for sweat um, and any kind of moisture that builds up. Uh, you know, like if it's a humid day or something like mm-hmm. that, sometimes the moisture, the moisture will build up on your forehead and then it sometimes fogs the goggle up sometimes. Um, but if I can maybe put a maxi pad in there, that sometimes helps. But, uh, typically I just run the goggle and, you know, two or three stacks of tear offs. Um, and that's about it or, or a set of roll offs. Yeah. Right on. And as far as you know, I asked Cheryl this when she was on a couple of weeks ago. Is she is she going to do uh, goggle prep for Supercross? Yeah, I'm. Mean, because um, I'm still working my deal out right now with the team. Okay. Um, so there's a slight chance that if the they're going to have a team deal uh, with another company. Mm. So if that happens, then 
probably not. But, right, right. Um, I'm trying everything I can um, to stay. Um, and if I do stay, then, yeah, we'll uh, still be doing that for sure. Very cool. Well, did you have something? Yeah, what's the chances of you being available November 18th to come to the Fly Fun Day down at Cycle, or Cycle Ranch? Uh, November 18th, I fly back uh, November 18th from Paris, actually. Okay. Well, bummer. Yeah, there's I'm, a... Uh, Go ahead. Uh, so I'm racing Bercy, so I, uh, that's on the 17th and or 17th and 18th, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, there's a big fly. I don't know if you've heard about it. A big event that Todd Trujillo is put, putting on down at Cycle Ranch uh, with fly and... It's going to be a big event, and I'm going to be out there with uh, X brand set up. RT said he may try to make it, but it's going to be really cool. So, we, yeah, we were hoping oh, hoping you can make it. I, I invited Daniel Blair, and he's busy that weekend, too. So, Okay. Well, all right, Ben. All hey, right. man, I hope, to, uh, I hope to see you next weekend at Johnsonville, and thank you for coming on tonight. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for the time, guys. And, yeah, like I said, I hope I'll see you next weekend. Okay, man. Take care. Be safe. Thanks. You, too. See you. All right. See you. Fly Racing's Ben LeMay. Yeah, he is. He's a good dude. So I, um, I, I sure hope his team doesn't do a uh, gear deal. Gear deal. I that's, do too. Yeah, I hate. It's a little scary to hear that. I was like, oh man. Yeah, this. Uh, you know, I've talked to Rich about some the team. You know, he worked with Hep last year. He supported Hep Motorsports and um, uh, Dustin and Dustin Pipes. And I'm hoping that happens again this year. But there's some. You know, you just never know. Every year they're trying there's to a lot of competition for. This yeah. Stuff. So yeah. yeah, and I would hate to see Ben leave either one of fly or x brand so yeah all right we'll be right back with our next guest this is tony berluti you're listening to the moto x pod show hey kylie does your husband have to deal with leaking shafts no way kathy he uses shock socks the original and number one 10 second removable fork sill protector looks like the best way to keep grit and grime out of your fork seals. So if you don't want the headache and expense of constantly replacing fork seals, get Shock Socks. Go to shocksocks.com and visit them on Facebook to pick your color. And don't forget, they are available for street bikes too. Darkside here. Are you guys in the market for a set of new custom graphics? Are you tired of the same old basic layouts the big box companies offer? Well, if so, then you need to check out MX Girl Designs. From custom graphic kits, stickers, reproductions, and even vintage, MX Girl does it all. Call or text Char at 936-828-1472 or email Char, C-H-A-R, at mxgirl.com, and that's mxgirl, G-U-R-L, and tell her Moto X-Pod sent you. Mad Jack Synthetics is an independent dealer of Amsoil Synthetic Oils. Amsoil has been around for 45 years and was the first company to bring synthetics to the general public in 1972. Since then, Amsoil has led the way in application-specific oils and fluids designed solely for your cars, trucks, motorcycles, boats, and more. We understand what your needs are when it comes to protecting your investments, whether it be your motorcycles or the vehicle you use to transport your motorcycles. Dane Evans and Mad Jack Synthetics is nationwide with customers and warehouses all across the USA and Canada. By joining the Preferred Customer Program, anybody can buy Anzoil products factory direct at wholesale pricing. Want to stock it at your shop or use it on your fleet of vehicles for your business? 
would you like to become an Anzoil dealer and have a tax write-off for your trips to the track or trail and start selling Anzoil to your friends and fellow racers? With Anzoil, you get free shipping on orders over $100, even when you are a wholesale customer. Contact Dane Evans to find out how it all works. We at Mad Jack Synthetics are riders and racers just like the guys at the Moto X Pod Show. We know what you need to keep you in the game week in and week out. Amazon Incorporated is a sponsor of many of your favorite series. Monster Energy Supercross, Snowcross, ATV MX, Daytona Bike Week, the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally, GNCC, King of the Hammers, Hot August Nights Car Show, and Motorcycle Mechanics Institute. Contact Dane and tell him the Moto X Pod Show sent you. Let him help you save money on your maintenance using Amsoil. Contact Dane at 805-531-9551 or toll free at 855-623-5225 or at madjackdiesel.shopamsoil.com. Like us and contact us on Facebook at Dane Amsoil Guy, on Twitter at Dane underscore Evans 393, and on Instagram at Dane underscore Amsoil Guy. What's up, Moto X Pod listeners? This is Darkside, and as motocross racers, one of our top priorities is safety. That's why All Sport Dynamics wrist braces are one of my favorite products. All Sport Dynamics sees themselves as the Picasso of safety braces. Their passion for design and developing beautiful braces never stops. They've had the privilege to work with some of the largest names in the sports industry and have established a reputation for always bringing innovation to the table with every brace. For the pro chasing the championship or the six-year-old whose mom wants to avoid a broken bone, please try All Sport Dynamic Wrist Braces. Go to motocrosswristbrace.com or check out Instagram at wristbraceguy or call 936-569-1003 and ask for Jeff Brewer or Gary White. And keep in mind, these are the wrist braces that Justin Bogle, Joey Savacci, Weston Pike, Adam Cianciarello, Matt Gerke, and Brock Tickleware in their pro careers. Check them out, All Sports Dynamic Braces. Since 1998, Fly Racing has been focused on developing the best gear possible. With research and development, they have become a leader in safety and comfort. Fly Racing is worn by many of the top athletes in motocross and supercross, including Weston Pike, Blake Baggett, Zach Osborne, Andrew Short, Damon Bradshaw, and Adam and Tyler Entenapp. The 2019 Fly Racing line includes the popular Light Hydrogen, the new Evolution DST line, the all-new Women's Light line, a redesigned F2 helmet, the FR5 boot, and Zone and Zone Pro goggles. Fly Racing also has hard parts for mountain bike products and snow gear. Go to flyracing.com or check out your local dealer for more info. On the line, we have Miss April Johnson from Johnsonville MX Farms, and she is brought to you by Shock Socks, the first, <laughs> the original and number one 10 second removable fork seal protector. April Johnson, how are you tonight? I'm good. How are you? We're doing real good. Um, glad to talk to you. You know, you're my favorite track owner, so I will say that openly. Well, you are like family to me, so I always support you. And um, you have a big event coming up this weekend, your second second annual uh, Pro-Am. Tell us a little bit about it. It is. It's our second annual um, hayride. We're calling it the hayride. Right. There's no hayrides or anything, <laughs> though, out here. It's just, just a hayride because we're on the farm. And um, it is an AMA Pro-Am, a $10,000 guaranteed pro purse sponsored by um, Lone Star Painting. 
And we will have amateur classes as well, not just the pro classes. So, right. Um, and then Lap King has, um, they're going to sponsor the intermission lap wars. And I'm not real sure exactly how it's all going to work, but they're going to pick some riders to wear their GPS units that they have out. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a 10-minute exhibition event to lay down your fastest lap, and they will give prizes to the top three. Well, I will not be entering that because Jamie is not going to be putting down any fast laps. Come on, Jamie. No, be- no, because you're going to be announcing for me. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Dang it. <laughs> you sure you want that to go down? I do. I do. Okay. I'm going to do my best. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm pretty nervous about this. Nah, don't be. You can talk on here. You can talk on that microphone. My biggest fear is throwing the F-bomb out because I'm I'm known to say some bad words. Oh, you won't. No, I'm sure it'll be fine. So, um, well, tell us about who, you know, the sponsors you have on board and, um, you know, just what what you hope this thing to become. Do you have any confirmed fast guys coming? Um, well, I heard Michael Wessey was coming. Um, he was at Swan. Right. And I heard that he would be over here. Um, and I had, that's the only one that I've heard of for sure. Um, I know a lot of the local pros will be here. Um, we had, I believe, almost 20 pros in one of the classes and a, maybe 22 or something in the other class last year. I'm hoping we get 30 in each class this year. That'd be great. Yeah, so tell us about, you said that it's a $10,000 pro purse. Um, how is, is. The, how is that paid out? And it is paid out through Kent. So, um, and I have that listed on our Facebook page and Instagram pages that like first in the 250A gets a thousand, first in the 450A gets 1200. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of goes down. down. Yeah, 250, like second, 800, third, 600, fourth, 500, fifth, 450. And then it just kind of, it's yeah for the 450 you know seconds 900 third 725 so i mean they're it's even tenth place if you got 10th and 250 and 450 you can still go home with 250 dollars so it's pretty good i may have to well i'm announcing i could sign up under a different name and just try to get 10th and make a few bucks but yeah the only way i would get 10th is if only eight guys show up (laughs) (laughs) um oh and we did have five sponsor goggles you know they were going to give out goggles to mm-hmm. every whole shot winner, and we haven't decided if we're going to do Moto 1 or Moto 2 yet. We'll announce that race day. Um, but that's another little thing that got pitched in this year, so I was thankful for that. Absolutely. Um, so I don't know. Do you, Craig, Do you have you ever met April before? Yes, I have. Okay, so April, do you know that Craig used to own Oak Hill or run Oak Hill? I believe so, yes. When April met me, I was uh, Action Motorsports, and I was I took my trailer out there a couple times. To, okay, to be a vendor. Oh, well, yes. I, I yep. did, my point was just that you guys have a little bit in common. I mean, you, you you're running some tracks in Texas. You know, of course, Oak Hill is one of the probably the biggest, most well known tracks in Texas history, besides maybe Lake Whitney. And you know, he ran a bunch of big events. Um, so you're you're trying. This is the second second year for the Hayride. And, you know, you want this to be built into a big event. What have you learned from year one? And, uh, you know, what do you see that you need to do to improve to make this thing continue to get bigger? So 10 years from now, it maybe could be one of the biggest events in Texas. Well, 
Um, getting the word out for sure has been the biggest thing, you know, getting people on board who want to share. Of course, social media is the biggest way. Yes, you have it on your, on your website, but social media, hashtagging certain things. I've learned that more since last year. Um, getting people to share the event, um, you know, just getting the word out there is the biggest thing. And, and, And the word I believe has spread more this year because for one, everybody's like, Oh, are they really going to come through with this ten thousand dollars? Yeah, and we proved that last year. I get the money handed to me before the race ever even starts, so I can guarantee that we have that ten thousand dollars for these pros to come and earn that money. Yeah, and I love that. And remind me how how many years have you been officially open? Um, two thousand um, September two thousand eleven was our very first race. Um, so seven years, a little over seven years, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, that's... I had to count on my fingers. Right. <laughs> well, I, I think I've said last time you were on, I remember coming out there when it was just a little backyard track, and to see what you guys have done over the last few years, I, it just makes me happy. I, 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 the more tracks that I have a chance to go ride at, the better. I know you probably would don't want too many tracks to, to flood the market exactly, but um, I, I just love what you guys do. I love the way you run things. Uh, I, I think Cole works, if not the hardest working track owner, he's, he's got to be one of them. He, he just, he puts everything he has heart and soul. Both of you do into that facility. We do. And it's just him and I out here. We have two other good friends, Jeff Marks and um, Rick Van Diemen. Those mm-hmm. two guys will come out here and help us. But other than that, it's Cole and I doing all the mowing, the weed eating, track prep water, um, it's a lot, but he, he, I put my heart and soul, but he really, really does. Yeah, well, you know I've offered my services numerous times to help out, but Cole, he, he, he won't ask for help. You just need to show no, up. No, he won't. <laughs> That's kind of but, what these guys, Jeff and Rick, they just show up and like, <laughs> where's the weed eater? Where's the mower? <laughs> the first time I was out there, I was just blown away with how you guys put, you put a um, very professional race on. But also the the way that you take care of the land and the way that you take care of the place and make it look like it's a you know a, a country club of motocross and I was very much the same way I was you know you could hear the weed eater running at two o'clock in the morning at Oak Hill whenever people would be pulling in on the night before um, that's me out there you know, <laughs> making sure the sides of the jumps are all trimmed up and everything else because um, I think the presentation that you put on makes people want to come and it makes people want to be a part of it. And, uh, you guys do a, a, a very, very good job. And the, the property is just beautiful with the lake and everything. And, um, so that was, that was my impression when I first pulled in, I was like, Holy cow, these people are putting a lot of work into this place. And that's awesome. You, you, you want to go spend money where somebody's working hard for it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, I'll tell you a little backstory since you, I mean, people that, have been out there um, that maybe don't know Cole and April that well, or for people that have never been there, there was a number of years that Cole and April and their kids lived in a staying player, you know, like a toy hauler, basically. They chose to live in that thing at the track so that they could put everything they had into it. And I don't know many women that would be okay with that, (laughs) but April's hardcore. (laughs) It was tough, but hey, we did it a little over, I think, two and a half, three years. Yeah. 
I mean, there's a lot. Our of... camper had no slide outs either. There were no slides. No, it, it, yeah, it was just <laughs> basically a, a box trailer with, with kids. Yeah, <laughs> with a couple kids. You know, I mean, I think they didn't live. The kids weren't there full time, but they they were there. And I don't know a lot of women that would want to spend more than like a week in a trailer, let alone a couple of years. And, and like I said, it's you said it's not a like a motorhome RV. It was a trailer. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. was a work employee. Yeah. yeah, we still have it back here, and I don't ever want to step foot in it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that just shows the dedication that how bad you want this thing to work, and it's not about you know becoming rich off of it. It's about the love that Cole and you have for the sport and the people that come out and the family that you have created at Johnsonville. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Um. Well, before we let you go, April, uh, did you and Cole happen to watch MX of Nations? You know what? Cole and the boys did. I did not. I have been working okay. so hard on trying to get all this hayride stuff together, so I I have not. I well, didn't, but they did. Well, that's fine. I was just going to ask if you had any opinions on it, what you thought of uh, the event, since Craig and I were there and we got to enjoy it, and you guys missed out. That's all I'm going to say. And, uh, well, all I know is USA didn't win. That's all I've seen and how disappointed everyone was. So. Well, yeah, and it is a big disappointment. We we thought we were going to win because we're Americans and we always think we're the best. But the reality is we didn't ride well, but there was some really good racing. If you love motocross and you watch that race, you saw some good motocross. Absolutely. We, uh, right. we started the show with uh, the song Sad But True because it was very <laughs> fitting. Oh. <laughs> Well, April. Uh, oh, oh, go ahead. Hey, can, I say, can I say a couple more things? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, you, that's right. You said you had well, to do it. Well, no, just that big house going to be here this weekend serving up food, and then Preston with MXR West will be here. Um, Casey with Trackside Tees, Burnwood Graphics and Jersey ID Company, they'll be here. Um, and then if you haven't booked you a room yet, Scenic 515 Cabins have some rooms left. Um their number is 903-383-7885. And then Bros, which is our Cajun restaurant across the street, they're open. And then we Hell also have... Hell yeah. Yeah, they're open. And then Terror Trails, which is a little over a mile or two down the road, it's Haunted Woods. And they have a haunted house. Um, they are gonna, they're going to be open this weekend as well. So cool. after you're done practicing, yeah, or whatever, Friday, if you come in Friday night, you can go over there. Saturday night as well, and just make sure you're back in before I lock the gate at ten. <laughs> Can you go over real quick for everybody how the event goes? Like what what's going on Saturday and Sunday as far as motos and sure. practice? And um, sure. Well, Friday I'm going to open the gates from four to ten for camping, and then on Saturday I'll open the gates at seven a.m. Um, and we'll have prep practice from nine to three, and each practice will be fifteen minutes. Um, practice one, C riders, two is the 60,085, three is B, four is 50s, and then practice five will be all the A riders. And then at 2.30, I mean, I'm sorry, 11.30 and 2.30, we'll let those guys go for um, a 30-minute moto just to kind of, you know, get that in. Sure, 30 minutes, uh, pro um, practice. Yeah, pro practice, right, yeah, two, at 11.30 and 2.30. Um, and then, but I believe our motos on Sunday will just be 12 laps, which is right about 20 minutes. Um, and then we'll have registration on Saturday from four to six. And then on Sunday, the gates open at six and we'll do registration at six thirty. 
We'll do riders meeting at 8.30 at the tower, and then we'll start practice at 9. And we do things a little different. We do our riders meeting before any bikes hit the track on race day. Yeah, I agree. I like that. Um, even Yeah, even for practice or anything, we do that. And then they'll have one round of practice on Sunday. We'll do open ceremonies and hopefully get racing before 10 o'clock. The only problem with your whole plan is is that you you said 12 laps was 20 minutes and you know if Jamie and I were out there that would end up being a 45 minute moto so good thing we're not riding or four laps think, in, four laps in 20 minutes <laughs> Well I kind of think 12 laps might be 20 but it might be 30 minutes I can't remember but I know we did 12 laps last year so that's what I'm going to do 12 laps again Yeah cuz I think the lap times a little right around 2 minutes or so so you're looking at if 12 laps would be 24 25 minutes ish plus the start Yeah plus start so plus and, yeah. and the ones that are at the end. So, yeah, so I, I bet, yeah, then it's 30 minutes. That's why I was doing that dedicated 30 minute practice. Right, you know, right. Well, the the most sad thing I'm going to say is that when you told me Bros was open, that that's the most excited I've been about this weekend all, all together. I'm like, hell yeah, I want some crawfish. I don't know. Big Al's got some <laughs> oh good cooking. Yeah, but I'll eat at Bros Saturday night and eat at House Trailer on Sunday. Yeah. Yes, because yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what time Hal's getting here Saturday, so. Um, well, I'm having bros for dinner. So. Yes, I always have bros for dinner. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna schedule that because Amber's gonna be with me, and we're gonna all go get some shrimp and crawfish, and some man, I'm, I'm hungry now. <laughs> well, I'll be working, so you'll have to bring me a plate. Huh? No, you're gonna stop for a few minutes and go eat with us. All right. I don't <laughs> ever stop. <laughs> Well, April, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it, and I look forward to seeing you this weekend. Yes, you too. Thank you. Good talking to you too, Craig. Yeah, no problem. Have a, uh, a very successful event. All right. We will try our hardest. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, April. Have a good night. Uh-huh. You right. too. Bye. Yeah, for uh, April Johnson, Johnsonville MX. So just the Johnsonville MX Farm, uh, I think that's their website, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sorry I don't have that in front of me, but you can just Google Johnsonville MX Farm, uh, search them out on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and get any information. They are in Yantis, Texas. So if you are anywhere in the area and you want to come to see some pros battle down like Ben LeMay, Michael Lessie, uh, I think last year Heath uh, Miller came out. Um, number of other Tyler Flo- or Ryder Floyd's going to be there, I believe. John Short's going to be at Monster Cup. He's not going to make it. But anyway, it's going to be some good racing. So come out, take another little break, and we'll be back with Rich Taylor. next guest is uh one of my favorite people in moto you guys know i'm an x-brand guy um it's my favorite goggle of course it's the only goggle that matters and on the line is mr rich taylor owner of x-brand how you doing tonight rt 
I'm good. I'm good. Another uh, another show for you guys, huh? Yeah, we are at episode ninety-seven. Wow! Wow! Time flies, huh? It does. I, I mean, remember when you first started. Yeah, I mean, it, it was shoot. I think the first time we had you on was probably a year and a half ago, and um, I hope that it's getting better. I, I'll tell you what. This weekend at MX of Nations, I was blown away by how many people came down and said that they listened to our show and dude i signed my first autographs this weekend that was pretty cool <laughs> a little, little weird yeah i didn't I love it i had to i had to remember to sign it as dark side and not my real name because nobody knows <laughs> nobody i don't know it was weird it was it was a little surreal um standing next to weed and having people yell at me and not him <laughs> that's awesome if he cut so his hair cool. there nobody would even know yeah. who he is yeah it's the hair <laughs> that's it that's it so how was it it was muddy and it was raining but uh it's probably fun as could be huh i had a blast and, and craig and i were talking yeah i think the experience as a whole is if you just take it as an event and getting to see some great riders race it was fantastic if you let our results ruin everything that's sad as far as the experience goes. Yeah, I was, I've been yeah. to events all over the world, and I've never been to an event that was such a, like I called it, the Woodstock of motocross. <laughs> I mean, it was, the fans were so crazy, 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 crazy. And, you know, the bringing in of all the legends for the meal, you know, on Friday night brought a ton of talent into the into the facility, and they were just walking around, talking to everyone, yep. you know, just partying away and having fun with everyone else. And, um, the pit bike race was awesome and just every aspect of it, the, 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 the storm that, that created the, um, Puerto Rico team <laughs> yeah. with, uh, Kevin Windham and, <laughs> and the, you know, and a lot of the stuff that you don't yeah. even see on TV is, you know, Kevin Windham putting that thing completely flat over the uphill triple on a parade lap and, you know, oh, the, the backflip by Pastrana and, you know, the 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 ride from the back of the pack by Sipes all the way coming through yeah um it just was really 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 cool and uh and although the results were a little bit bleak but uh the event itself was I've never I've never witnessed anything like it it was awesome oh that's amazing that's so cool I, I should have gone I, Dude, I should regret it now yeah once I, in I a lifetime what, I've never heard a crowd at a race go so crazy as w- at the start of the B main when Wyndham almost pulled the whole shot. And for a minute, looked like he was going to be in first. I mean, people came unglued. Did they? <laughs> yeah. It was, it was so cool, oh, man. Everybody yeah. just, yeah. I, there's too many things to even talk about how the event went that it was just, it's not, like, I think I told you, maybe you don't know this, but this is my first time to Redbud, period. So. Oh, wow. That, wow. Yeah, what an experience I had. And hell, even the flight in was awesome. It was like a roller coaster ride. We hit turbulence. And I was laughing and being thrown around the plane. <laughs> the whole weekend was awesome. Yeah. They said it was the biggest attended uh, motocross of nations. Yeah. Ever. Was it really? Yeah. I mean, there was. That's surprising. The, yeah. the, the sides of the hills where all the fans all stand were just slick mud, just crap <laughs> and just stuff everywhere. And people were, you know, just crashing and falling down and sliding to the bottom. This one lady went down, <laughs> slid down the hill and took out a whole group of people. And, um, you know, but everyone gets up laughing and just, you know, hollering. And it was, it was, uh, I just can't even imagine the, uh, the magnitude of how cool the event was. 
that's so cool. I always remembered racing at Red Bud. The crowd was, you know, the fans were gnarly, gnarly. Like, you know, there was Red Bud and Unadilla, and the fans just seemed to be just out of their minds at both of those races. So I can't even imagine with that many more of them there, you know? It's just like crazy. At the beginning of, uh, you know, like an hour before the Pit Bike of Nations race was happening, <laughs> we all walked up there, and Darkside and I and a couple of my buddies were up, walked up there, and we're standing on the side of the hill. And the fans, there, you know, literally 10, 15, 20,000 people just ran over the fences and went out and just stood in the middle of the track on the pit bike track. At the same time, <laughs> Deegan's over there with his truck starting it up and just putting it on the rev limiter. People are shooting off fireworks out of the middle of the crowd, right Chain, out of, I mean, chainsaws, big, yeah. big fireworks, like real fireworks, just shooting them right out of the middle of the crowd. They're, they all were shaking beers up and spraying them like champagne. I mean, it was just complete chaos. It was unbelievable. And, and the Racer X show was going on at the same time. They probably couldn't even hear what they were trying to do and talk. And they had the, the stage was like the back of the stage for the Racer X show was the pit bike track. And um, and the place was just crazy. Yeah, it was nuts. Unreal. Well, hopefully they bring it back, you know, and not too too much time, a couple of years or something. Maybe they'll, they'll bring it back, I hope. That would be awesome. I would have to think that awesome. they, you know, first of all, the Europeans had great success. So that would be one cool thing. They're, they don't have to come back with their tail between their legs. And um, just seeing the involvement of the, the entire U.S. industry, you know, every vendor, every you know, cool company was involved in some way. All the VIP tents and all the VIP um, seating and everything else was all sponsored by some company somewhere. And um, so I I really believe that uh, Giuseppe Luongo or whatever his name is. How you say it? <laughs> had to be impressed with the show that was put on. And, you know, they set the, they set the benchmark for anybody else to do it. So if it yeah. ends up at Glen Helen or... Or, uh, you know, a track down here in Texas would be great. (laughs) Um, Everyone's going to have to put on a show because I tell you what, it was awesome. The T-shirt vendor ran out of T-shirts. And and I know John Ayers and you know John Ayers. He he brings a lot of T-shirts to these events. He ran out of T-shirts, I think, Sunday morning. He was out. Yeah, they were closing trucks up. Yeah, and they were were announcing over the PA system that you could order your T-shirt. They would knock five bucks off and they would ship it to you for free. And uh, oh, and he, I, I can't even imagine how many T-shirts he probably brought to that event, and he ran out the first day. So yeah, well, we both we both know John Ayers, and just imagine how much money he made in those couple. <laughs> days. I, I was standing know? there. I was standing there, and my buddy bought two hundred seventy dollars worth of T-shirts. I bought one hundred and forty dollars worth of T-shirts oh, um, for my for a friend, and then I bought another sixty or something worth of hats and T-shirts for me. And Lisa Ayers was in the trailer, and I said, "Hey, Lisa," and and she and I go way back and uh she looks she said hey craig what's going on i said oh not too much i'm just over here spending money she goes good because rent is a lot (laughs) so i imagine that much like everything else with that race you know it's it's not all bells and whistles and yeah and and everyone's getting rich there's uh there's a lot of expense there and if you look at what the mxgp people bring over to the event from the scaffolding behind the start to the scaffolding for the pit row for the mechanics and you know every Every one of those cubes in that scaffolding, that scaffolding was 200 yards long. Every one of them had four uh, monitors built into the scaffolding. And, you know, they just put on such a great show. Um, yeah. You know, so so I think that uh, I think that you'd be surprised on how maybe not as much money as everyone made at that place because it just was an expensive event. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, the GP guys, they definitely, they put on a show. For yeah. Sure, yeah. For sure. Yeah. But, yeah I don't know. Hey, so did... the wrong side of the money-making deal. <laughs> <laughs> Rich, did you, did you watch the races? Yeah, yeah, of course. So what are your yeah, thoughts, we, what are your uh, thoughts on it? Um, I'd like to get, you know, you, you race, race pro, you test rider. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on why the, the G, the Euro riders really just are better riders right now outdoors, I think, than us? Well, I mean, you, you got to just look at motocross in, in, in America, you know, I mean, what, what's everybody talk about Anaheim one, it's all about supercross, mm-hmm. you know, motocross. And having done it, you know, and I hate to say this because I love motocross, but when you, I mean, you can be the gnarly, you can be Eli Tomac, and I guarantee after a national, that guy's sore as can be. The next day, he's sore when he gets up. You race supercross, it's not that bad, you know? You, you can go you can go race a supercross, and, and the next day, you can go riding again, and you're good. Motocross is just brutal. There's there's no more money in it. It's just a gnarly, it's the gnarliest sport in the world. I mean, hands Agreed. down, it really is. And uh, and and the supercross guys, they 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 can race their you know rounds of supercross. They make tons of money. They don't beat their bodies up. Even a privateer kid can go make more money at a supercross. He doesn't have to even do an air cleaner the next day he can go you know <laughs> yeah he's, the bike's ready for the next weekend it's just a whole different deal so the the american riders mentality is is all about supercross it's not motocross anymore you know when over in europe it's all about motocross those guys are right they're practicing in the mud they're practicing on shitty tracks it's it's all about you know sand and, and getting strong and just being able to just manhandle the bike and um, that's not the way the U S guys ride. They're more finesse. They're more, you know, jump the bike, land perfect. Yeah. You know, um, obviously Tomac is an exception that, you know, you can't count him out. He didn't, my, my opinion with Tomac is he's a businessman and he's not making a bunch of money to go to that race. He's, he's not going to take that extra chance to go try to beat curlings or whatever. And, uh, he's going to go do what he, what he can do and, and, and not get hurt and not, you know, get in any trouble. So that's kind of my feeling with him. I, I think if, you know, every, you know, the whole debate on, on social media right now is, Oh, Hurling's the fastest guy in the world. Well, yeah, he probably is. You know, he, he's proved that he came over here last year at Indiana and smoked everybody. But at the same time, if he came over here and rode all the nationals, he isn't going to win every moto. Sure. Like, there's, there's no way. I mean, Tomac's going to battle with the guy for sure. Um, that's not saying he's not the fastest dude in the world. The guy's obviously badass. But, you know, put him on a supercross track, and what do you think he's going to do? Uh, yeah, nothing. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Obviously, we don't know until he did it. I think the guy'd probably be an animal in the whoops, but at the same time, I don't think he'd be – winning you know i think it'd take him a while to to win a supercross but um you know that's that's my whole feeling with it i just don't think motocross is the future in the u.s i think it's going towards supercross yeah definitely well there's talk about more supercrosses less nationals i mean that's from a from a marketing standpoint you know i sat in many meetings at kawasaki where it was discussed and you know from a marketing standpoint the bikes stay clean. They're in front of 50,000 people. Um, you know, it's easy to put it on TV. 
you know, there's just so many more reasons to want to do it from a, uh, you know, sponsorship level. You know, whether you're X brand goggles or Kawasaki, it doesn't matter. You need your stuff to be able to be seen in front of a lot of people. And, you know, at that race this weekend, every goggle out there was covered up with mud and nobody could see what it was. And, you know, so there's, no. there's a lot, a lot more of the business side that comes into the decisions too. And, and, um, so I think that's a little bit why Supercross seems to be such a, you know, a, a more popular sport from, from the rider standpoint, it's easier from the you know, marketing standpoint, you get more visibility. Uh, the pits are easier to control. The trucks are easier to park. The airports are closer to the events. You're there for less days. I mean, everything about it is, is a win-win for, uh, the riders and the, and the teams, but for us diehards that just are old school and we love motocross, there's nothing but motocross, you know? No, I, and I totally agree. Totally agree. It's sad. It's sad. I mean, you know, you even look at the amateur, amateur motocross right now. Mike, you know, I have a son, Richard, who's, who's, you know, and Zachary, my, my youngest one, they're both pretty, pretty badass. Like, yeah, you know, my, my kid won a moto in Loretta's this year. And so I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of keyed in with all the top amateur kids right now. And to be honest, like the, you know, there's the Derek Drake and guys like that. Those kids are so unbelievably good, but you know, this Prado kid is 17 years old. I, I don't think any of our top amateurs over here could hold a candle to him, you know? Like, that that kid and Hunter Lawrence, those guys are, like, on a whole nother level. They're just, they're keyed in, and they're they're just, you know, they're strong, and they, they know how to go fast on those really rough tracks. You know, again, put them on a, we'll, we'll see. Hunter Lawrence is going over. It should be interesting to see him on a supercross track, but. Yeah, for sure. I think he's probably going to do pretty good. He's from Australia. Yeah, everyone's saying oh. that they're they're thinking that that kid's not going to do good because he rode the GPS for a couple of years. But you know, in Australia, you ride Supercross for a whole season, and you know they, yeah. that kid, these young kids these days, Supercross is not that tough. There's nothing out there other than the whoops. They just got to get the whoops down. Yeah, yeah, they can jump yeah. the jumps. Anybody can jump the jumps nowadays. And, um, you know, the bottom line is, is that I, I think that, uh, everyone kind of talks about the MX2 class because it's 23 and under about it being a, a intermediate class here in the United States. And they're so wrong. There may be some riders out there that are in 30th place that right. couldn't beat our intermediate okay. riders, but the top 10, no way. They're top 10 in our outdoor nationals. Oh yeah. 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 No, for sure. For sure. I agree and, completely. And as far as Hunter Lawrence goes. I think that kid's going to do good. I think that uh, the biggest challenge for him is going to be, and any of those GP dudes who come over here and race Supercross, is the intensity of uh, of the as soon as the gate drops, the the just gnarly intensity that you have to have to go ride, you know, eight laps fast or six laps fast, and and just wide open from the gate drop. Where I think that's the biggest challenge. The tracks aren't going to be a challenge for him. The tracks are, you know, especially on four strokes nowadays. The tracks are you know, super easy. Right. So, yeah. 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 yeah the, the, the biggest hurdle for him is going to be to not lose his mind and, and not get hurt. You know, if he can yeah. keep himself calm and collected and, and, you know, he's riding for one of the best teams for that. I believe, I think Ziggy is really good at um, managing his staff and his staff are really good at making sure those riders feel at home at whatever speed they're going. I don't think there's a lot of pressure there. So, you know, hopefully he can stay healthy and, and um, learn his way through the first Supercross season and hit the outdoors swinging. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, Ziggy, obviously, you know Ziggy, and, and he's, he's like the most mellow, 
just realistic guy on the planet. Like yep. he is just such a good dude. You can't say enough good about him where, you know, he, he'll, he cannot, he understands, like he gets it. Like, you know, you got this kid coming over, like you can't just say, Oh, you need to go out there and win or you're fired. You know, he's, he's totally not that type of person. And he's got you guys know, that maybe, he can put that kind of pressure on because they're ready. You know, you got Jay Modern yeah. on your team. It's pretty hard to, to not expect to be a, a front runner, you know? Yeah, but I think he probably puts that on himself. I, I just don't see a guy like Diggy doing it. Now, if he was on Peyton's team on Pro Soto, it'd be a whole different story. <laughs> right, you know, yeah. You, you get your butt kicked in the doghouse that week, you know. But, but you know, that's just his style. So, you know, and he creates champions from it. So, it's just a whole different way of thinking about it, you know. Yeah, I think I think less pressure for these younger kids coming in. The first year, at least the first year, is better overall. I mean, that's just so much to take in. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard, but, you know, at the same time, this Lawrence kid's kind of used to it, man. He's made makes the GPs at a super high level for, yeah. you know, three or four years now, and he's he's going to be ready. You watch. He'll be ready, but... You know, overall that that race was pretty amazing. You know, I, obviously we were bummed out. I, I, you know, I don't get totally bummed out that the U.S. got got beat, but I was pretty surprised. You know, I heard Plessinger uh, might have gotten hurt on Saturday when he crashed pretty hard, so maybe that was part of his problem. But he told me post um, post race, he told me that he was feeling the effects, and Saturday morning. Um, one of the Team USA team members told me the same thing. I said, he's not, he, he's not, because he didn't look real good in, you know, warm up in practice or whatever. And so he's not, he's feeling it. He's he's not, he's not 100%. But then apparently he told Steve that he wasn't feeling any effects from the crash, but he told me he was. His dad told yeah, me. Yeah. He, <laughs> he had to have, because, I mean, the, come on. Like, yeah. That guy is unbelievably good. Like, there's, there's no reason for him to do what he did unless something was going on, you know? And, you know, Barsha, I, I don't know. Barsha just, I was really surprised he didn't do a little bit better. Tomac, I didn't, you know, I I almost feel a little bit for Tomac because everybody in the world figured it was going to be a Tomac hurling battle. And on your home soil, you talk about pressure, man. Holy yeah. crap, you know, I don't know. I don't really know Tomac personally that well, so I don't, you know, obviously he handles it good, but, uh, you know, I wasn't expecting him to go. Yeah, I mean, that's gnarly for anybody, and I I wasn't expecting him to go out there and dominate by any means, Um, but, you know, I figured he'd do a little bit better, but it is what it is, you know? I mean, the track was gnarly. Those guys ride that stuff. I think they practice in that, you know, it's funny because I read something that Zillman actually posted on Twitter, um, a while back and it was at a mud race, I think Indiana or somewhere where it was super muddy. And he's like, maybe these guys, when it rains in California, instead of doing the skiers or the, or the rowing machine, they had to go out and actually ride the mud, you know? And, and that's what I think they do over in, in Europe. They go ride, you know, if it's raining, it's muddy. All right, well, we're going to go ride. Yeah. So yeah. It's just a huge difference. You see them all winter on their Instagrams, posting pictures and videos and stuff of them in Belgium. And it's, partially snowing, partially raining. <laughs> and, you know, the whole team's out there testing. They're, they're, the whole team is tough enough to be out there. It's mm-hmm. not just the riders. It's the whole team. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. when your team's willing to be out there, you got to go out there and put some laps in. 
but uh, the one question yeah. I had not to not to come back off of the motocross nations and back to amateur racing, but I did have a question for you. Um, what do you think of since your kids are involved in it? Where are you at on these kids that are spending half their lives in a training facility, racing three or four times every month or two? And, you know, only really racing about eight times a year. And then whenever they hit Supercross and outdoors, they have to run, you know, 36 weekends in a row or whatever it is. Um, what, what's your take on all that? Do you think that that's a big deal or do you think that these kids should be racing more? Well, I, you know, I kind of have mixed feelings about the whole thing, to be honest with you. Like, you know, that these kids are spending, you know, and the parents are dropping out of school. They're going to these these, you know, these facilities in Georgia and, and all over the place. And on one hand, I think it's amazing because obviously these kids have some drive. They're, they're not punk kids who are going to parties and getting high with their buddies. They're, you know, nine out of ten of them are, are legit trying to race and they're doing the right thing. They're training their butts off and they're, they're dedicated, which I think, you know, what more could you ask for, you know, being a dad, like what more could I ask for my kid than to have some, drive at a young age and staying out of trouble i think it's awesome yeah it is um but but you know on the other hand there's there's the reality of you know if if you're not gonna you know how many of those kids make it how many of those kids actually make a living just a living not even like make a lot of money but just enough to live in a house and do it for yeah exactly what i mean like there's that you're spending a lot of your life that you're not going to school, you know, and, and you're, you're, all you know is moto. And then what happens when you're, you're, you're fifth place at Loretta's instead of second or first place? Well, that fifth place kid isn't getting anything. He's not getting anything. He's not getting, he's not even getting free bikes when he turns pro. So now all of a sudden you're going to try to buy bikes. You're going to try to go to the races. You're going to spend a ton of money getting to the races the purse at a supercross is barely higher than when I was racing. It's like a <laughs> right. little bit more money, but basically you're spending money. If you're in the lights class and you, you get 15th place, which is amazing in today's racing, 15th place at a supercross in the lights class is out of this world. You're, yeah, you're, you're making, a bad dude. You're, you're, you're losing money. By the time you drive there, you pay your entry fee, your hotel, your food, and your gas for your race motor <laughs> yeah no kidding it costs ten thousand bucks you're losing money and it's it's really a bummer i wish i wish there was another way i wish there was more opportunity but that's kind of where where supercross and motocross is gone so you know that as far as, as these kids you know i know what you're saying a lot of them only race a few of these big races they hardly ever do any local racing um yeah I don't know. I don't know. I think, you know, the ones that are going to make it are going to make it, you know. Um, the ones that, that have it are are going to do good no matter what. As long as they keep their nose clean and, and do what they're supposed to do, they're going to make it. So, I, you know, I don't have a huge problem with them not doing a lot of local racing. I mean, racing's hard. And it, it just, you know, it's it's hard on your body and it's hard on, on your wallet and everything else. So, I don't know. I just I have mixed feelings about all of it. Well, I, I don't t- I don't disagree with anything you said. So, uh, hey, Rich, before yeah. we wrap this up, um, let's talk about X Brand a little bit. Uh, probably not far off from the 2019 stuff making an appearance. Um, I know last year at Straight Rhythm, Chiz and I think a couple guys had some of them on a little early. 
What are, what are we expecting yeah. uh, as far as when do you think this stuff's going to be released to the public? And you know, w- what have you got coming our way? Well, we're uh, we have a whole new line of colors and a couple new goggle models that are going to be pretty cool. I'm pretty stoked on them. Um, I'm crossing my fingers. I'll have them by November first um, in in the warehouse. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, the latest will be like November tenth, but we're hoping mm-hmm. November first. I'll have them. Um, we have a new goggle coming that's so badass. It's an enduro goggle, and it's uh, it's the most comfortable goggle you'll ever put on your face. It's it's crazy and co- it's crazy comfortable. It's uh, um, it's got it comes with two different lenses: a smoke tint and a clear one, a clear tint. And they're single pane vented lenses, which is is pretty unique. Most vented lenses are dual pane, and, and a dual pane lens for motocross or, or, or enduro or off road riding sometimes get a little bit of a wavy look through it um it's just the way dual pane lenses are mm-hmm. um but this is a this is actually a single pane so your vision's badass and and it's vented so you know you're not going to fog up at all and and it just keeps everything you know fresh so i'm super stoked about that goggle that one's going to be pretty pretty bitching for sure i love um, it but yeah we're sh- we're shooting for november um straight random i'll have some guys in, in the new stuff keep on some samples and stuff they're going to have um so yeah, we gotta we gotta get it out there. You know, we got a new Ronnie Mac goggle that just came out too, a beer goggle. I saw that. Um, yeah, we just got it up on the website, the uh, Beer Optics website. Um, Western Power Sports is just you know they're they're in the mail. They're gonna have it here in about a week to ten days. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. You know, Ronnie Mac, uh, the fans of Ronnie Mac are just crazy as can be. So yeah, I hope you I hope you have enough of them in stock for all the Ronnie Mac fans. I know, I know. We have we had some airship over, and we've got some coming on a boat right now. So they're, they're limited for now, but we'll have a lot more here in, in about two weeks. Cool. So, Do you know if the yeah. Ronnie Mac goggle is going to be auto shipped to all the reps? Because Scott Foster over here in East Texas. He can sell some Ronnie Mac goggles, I'm sure. Can he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we gotta we gotta get him going for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, you guys are gonna have them here shortly, so cool. Western old, yeah. It's just I had, like I said, I had some here shipped over at first, and then the rest are coming on a boat. So yeah, I'll have to get a few They're of those. I'll have to get a few of those in stock for my uh, for my guys too. <laughs> definitely so definitely i well, mean everybody's got to have some ronnie Mac beer well yeah there. yeah i actually i got to interview ronnie uh saturday that was that was interesting <laughs> uh, i could imagine i could imagine he's a nut man yeah. so well rich i man, i appreciate you coming on and i cannot wait to see these colors um i'm excited because i've already got people i think i told you earlier today i've already got buddies of mine you know every time i see them they buy at least one pair of goggles from me and they're like, hey, when's the 19 stuff come out? Because I want new colors. So I'm ready. We're, we're trying, to make X-brand stro- X, trying to make X-Brand strong in East Texas. Oh, gosh, we need to do it. Let's do it. Let me know how I can help for sure. <laughs> for we'll sure. keep doing it. And, uh, again, man, I appreciate you coming on. And um, look forward to seeing the stuff. And I'll talk to you soon. All righty, Craig. Good to talk to you. We'll good talk to, talk soon, to you, everybody. Too. All right, Rich. Thanks, Brad. Thank you. All right. All right. Rich Taylor, X Brand Goggles. Um, you guys hit me up, Darkside MX3 or WPS, of course. Hit up Craig Martin. He can get you uh, 
X-Brand goggles through his dealerships. Uh, they, I, they're carried exclusively through WPS now, I believe. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so hit them up. Um, in my opinion, they're the best goggle made. I know everybody. You know, Oakley's been around a long time. They got a big name. There's nothing wrong with Oakley. Big There's price nothing, tag. Yeah, big price tag. There's nothing wrong with Scott. There's nothing wrong with 100% goggles. But I love the, the foam on the X-Brand goggles. I think they're every bit as competitive. Sometimes, you know, if you wear the nose guard, if you if you like the goggles with a nose guard, I believe X-Brand has the best nose guard. It's got the most room, doesn't really hit your nose. Anybody that I know that I've had try them, I don't like the nose guard. It hits my nose. And they try ours, and they love it. So, Most of the riders that have to put penny liners and stuff on yeah. their goggles to keep the sweat from getting in their eyes, um, with X-Brand, because their foam is so good. Triple foam. Don't have to do it. Exactly. So. All right. Well, um, we're back in just a minute with Max Bolin. back with our next guest uh one of the fastest kids on a super mini uh max volan son of talon volan how you doing tonight max oh yeah i'm doing great so uh i guess you're gearing up for monster cup gonna go out there and uh battle with some of the other kids like jet reynolds how are you feeling about that i'm feeling great about it i mean uh last year unfortunately we couldn't make the race but it just gave me a whole year of supercross practice so I'm pretty prepared for this weekend. So how much Supercross practice do you actually do in a week? Well, sometimes we usually ride Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and some days we ride two times a day, and some days we don't. Okay. Where do you live at? Uh, we live in uh, Granite Bay, California, right by Sacramento. It's like 15 minutes from the Hangtown track. Oh, there you go. What Supercross track do you ride up there? Uh, unfortunately, we don't have any up there, so we've been driving down to L.A. every week. Wow. That's commitment. Yeah, so, so you're up in the uh, the Daniel Blair area. You know Daniel at all? Oh, yeah, we see him and his kid out at the uh, local races all the time. Yeah, Daniel's a good buddy of mine. He's good people. Um, So, you know, you, you ran Loretta's this year. Uh, I believe you went first in Super Mini 1 and second in Super Mini 2. Is that right? Or, or, uh, no, you no, got second got, in both. I got, yeah, I got second in both. So what you're you're preparing for Supercross right now, riding Supercross a bunch. Do you do you ride Supercross when you're preparing for Loretta's also, or do you just completely do away with Supercross for a little while? Uh, no, we just ride outdoors before Loretta's, and then right after Loretta's over, we just ride Supercross until ne- until next. Gotcha. That's cool. Do you? Uh... Do you realize what a bad dude your dad is? <laughs> Does he tell uh, I you? mean, he tells me all the time that he is the fastest guy. And <laughs> he... How he passed. Go ahead. Are you there? Hello. We're having some phone issues. 
let's see if we can get him back. Both the Volum boys, Tyson and Talon, were both just incredible. Oh players. yeah, it was. Uh, those guys were pretty fast, and I think he was about ready to say that he passed Ricky Carmichael or something. Yeah, he's got he's got some claim to fame that he passed somebody that <laughs> nobody ever passed before. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey man, well, I, I don't know what's going on. We lost you again, but you were saying so, what your dad said. Yeah, well, my dad he always tells me how he passed Ricky Carmichael and he was super fast, but he showed me the video and he ended up going down <laughs> the next lap after passing Ricky. So uh, I don't believe him. Right. But he still made the pass. <laughs> Come on, that's good hey. stuff, man. Because yeah, you know, I shoot, I'll never be as fast as you. And uh, but you know, just growing up as a kid, my dad would talk about being fast, and then I'd go out there as I got older and get to beat my dad, and it was always. Busting balls back and forth. So if you're getting to have fun like that with your dad, that's pretty awesome. Oh uh, yeah, we do it all the time. That's good stuff. So I mean, yeah. you're you're definitely considered one of the top kids coming up. Um, there's a lot of pressure on you as a youth, and I, you know I've had Jed on the show, and I've had Ryder D and Carson on the show, and I, I like to ask about how you balance the pressure of what your team is expecting out of you as a top amateur. And just being a kid, like how do you, how do you deal with the pressure, and how do you, what do you do to maybe get away from the sport just for a little bit and and be a kid still? Well, uh, I deal with pressure pretty well, even on the track when someone's right on me. I know just to calm down and take deep breaths and just ride my lines. But me, I, to get away from the sport and kind of kind of relax and have fun, I just me and my friends hang out. We we'll go to the skate park and. Uh, just do fun stuff. How about um, you know when you go ride? So like back in back in your dad's day, the the pro riders would take some days and they'd go out in the desert and they just hit big jumps. You know, you see, I'm sure you've seen a bunch of the old videos, the terra firmers and stuff. They'd go play ride, free ride a little bit. Do you do any of that, or is it all lap after lap after lap? Um, I mean, I don't do it very often, but yeah, I've definitely been out to hang count and, and, uh, we, we find some jumps out there and we hit, we hit some jumps because, uh, any technique is helps on the bike on the track. So we try and get as much as that as we can, but we sometimes don't have time. Right. What's your plan for riding a big bike? When are you switching up? Well, I think we're doing super mini the rest of this year and I'm not sure if we're racing monster cup again or not. Mm-hmm. I, uh, wasn't clear on that but i think we'll either it depends on how big i am if i'm like 130 pounds and we'll move up to 250s or we'll do 125s how much are you wearing right now i'm like one 118 that's good that's perfect super yeah perfect yeah do uh are you going to florida for the minios what are you going to florida for the winter olympics no, no, no. We never, no. we have never done that race. And, uh, it's just so far from California all the way to Florida. <laughs> yeah. And uh, usually they cut down those laps for the, like three lap races, so we just usually never, never do that race. Right, right. Away from it. Yeah. That's probably not a bad, bad plan. That's good teamwork right there. Yeah, yeah. So how about training? What do you, what do you do on a daily basis? Um, and do you like as far as uh, working out? You know, running that kind of stuff. What do you? Who is? Your, do you have a trainer? Uh, my trainer's my dad. Okay. <laughs> and uh, we we I, when I'm when I'm not away from home or when I'm away from home in LA practicing, we we mainly just ride two times a day, and that's our training. We don't we don't hit the gym, but when we're home, when we're home, we uh 
I'll wake up early in the morning and I'll go I'll go do sprints. We have this hill that's like a mile from our house. I'll ride my bicycle there and uh, do seven to eight sprints up the hill. Come back, drink my smoothie, and just uh, and then probably go riding the rest of that day. Does your dad still run those hills too? Uh, he used to, but uh, he ended up not in the past year because I think he's just too focused on work. <laughs> right. But a Cherbies. But or 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 he's just too old and he doesn't feel like doing it anymore. <laughs> easy, easy. Hey, that's the that's the game plan on I'm, I'm on. I'm 43 years old and I don't want to run anywhere. I might run to Whataburger or something. Yeah, yeah, run and get a, a snack. But other than that, I just I'll, I'll show up, I'll ride a couple laps, and then I'm tired. So that's just the way it is. Look forward to that in a few years, Max. It's going to happen. You're riding a KTM, right? Uh, yeah. Are you getting a lot of help from KTM? Yeah, we're gonna actually. We got a really good deal this year from KTM, and I think I think we're signed on through the pros. So. Awesome. Who's Good for uh, you. who's doing your motors and suspension? Uh, in-house KTM and WP. That's cool. Right on. Yeah. That's a a really good way to start off. End a amateur career. Yeah. Is having good equipment. Definitely. Awesome. Especially when you yeah, get on two fifty Fs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the main plan. Is just we need a good bike for two fifty F because my dad just personally doesn't like 250s because he's rode rode 125 252 strokes so he hates the weight of 250s so he wants to have good defense on that thing does your dad ride with you at all not anymore i don't think he's ridden in the past five years wow yeah happens to the best of us yeah hey so i was looking a little bit of your history and before you got into motocross you won five bmx nationals do you still do any bmx for cross training uh, unfortunately, I, I kind of miss it, but no, I don't do it anymore. But when I was little, I, me- I remember the last race I did was in Roseville, 15 minutes away from my house. And I, I did an intermediate race. I crashed. And that was the last time we raced. <laughs> okay. You know, there's a, there's a guy out there. You, know, you might not know his name, but, uh, <laughs> I was about to say this, <laughs> Go ahead. but, uh, there's a guy named Jeremy McGrath. He's just, just some guy, you know, and, uh, he came <laughs> yeah. from the BMX world and he brought a lot of BMX technique which turned him into a supercross sensation, if you don't know who he is. And uh, the, you, you know who he is, right? Okay. So, yeah, so yeah, anyway, so do you feel like the BMX training you've done in the past and, and the, uh, the, t- the techniques that you've learned from BMX help you with doing you know, manual and whoops and all this kind of stuff? Do you th- think it helps you? Well, yeah, I for sure think that BMX gave me a good base for motocross and and I was the best in the whoop section. I could pump the wolves way faster than any other six-year-old kid out there. So that's cool. I definitely think it's carrying on to uh, on to Supercross. Hell yeah, okay. we'll carry that front wheel and just wheel tap all the way through. You got to do like Eli Tumak yep. did in what was it, the sixteen Daytona Supercross, where he oh, yeah. really down yep. through those wheels. Yep. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was rad. That was crazy. Well, Max, you're 15 years old, right? Yep. All right. Do you so, have a girlfriend? Uh, man, you're taking my questions, Craig. <laughs> Um, the answer to that is no. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, you're 15, so let's get to what's important in life. Driver's license, right. girls, and music. Um, I don't have my driver. I get, I, I'm working on my permit, but since I've been training for Monster Cup in LA, I haven't really been focused on it, but right after Monster Cup, I'm going to get right on to that, get my permit, start okay. driving, uh, hopefully get my, uh, 
my license after I'm 16. Yeah, then you can then you could load your bike up, pick up your girlfriend, jam some good music, and go to any track you want. Yeah, I'm gonna be driving my Superman to the track. <laughs> <laughs> so, what kind of music are you into? I'm a big music guy, so I like to know what everybody else is um, into. I listen to a lot of Eminem. I'm a big Eminem fan. Okay. That I, I'm an uh, older guy, so and I, I'm not a big rap guy, but the rap that I do like is Eminem. Yeah, I do. Exactly. I have all. Well, I think I have like six of his albums. I don't know how many he has now, but yeah, Eminem's badass. Yeah, yeah, I listen to this stuff all the time. How about rock music? Are you into any rock music? Make me happy here. Uh, yeah, my dad. I mean, I've been in the backseat of his car listening to ACDC my whole life, so I'm into it. Cool, cool. That that's that's really to me. That's the only real music there is is rock and roll. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Do you play any inter- instruments? No, I don't play any instruments besides need, riding my dirt bike. You need to pick right. up a guitar. It's a great, uh, <laughs> it's a great stress reliever. Shoot, not drums. Yeah. I get stressed out trying to learn how to play the guitar because I can't do it. <laughs> so, how, how do you know how supportive are your parents as far as? Well, I know they're supportive. Obviously, they're they're behind you in your racing. But do they tell you like, um, you know? Don't don't you don't need to mess with around with girls right now, or you know how involved are they with? your life outside of moto to keep you focused on moto well it's really just my dad that's that's just full time he he works at home so he takes as much time off of his work to get me out to the track riding and keep me focused and and he's really about strategy and not not getting injured before a big race and uh he pretty much just keeps me focused on that well that's good um and I'm assuming your dad does, you know, there's, there's some pretty gnarly moto dads out there, you know, that are on their kids and yelling, screaming, you know, you got to do better or whatever. I mean, how does your dad react when you're at the track practicing? You know, how does he handle his duty as moto dad? Well, he, he's pretty much the exact opposite of a typical moto dad since he's been through it and he's done everything before. So he knows when, I'm having a bad day and I'm not riding good. He knows just like, well, we'll get our two motos done, load up and pack home because it's just not a good day and you don't want to go out there trying to make it a good day and risk hurting yourself. That's smart. Good, yeah. It's good to have that that experience then. I, I was wondering, usually that does translate. When You know, the, the pro riders who have kids that ride now seem to be a little more uh, equipped to handle it properly. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The uh, the fact that you get to wear the Cherby's gear and nobody else in the United States really can ever <laughs> find it anywhere or get it, does that make you pretty pumped? And what are you going to do whenever you get a Supercross ride on a 250 team and you have to switch gear? Because most of those teams have gear deals. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I've been running a Cherby's gear my whole life, so once I get on a 250 team, I guess I'm just going to have to wear whatever they yeah, give me. Whatever you're getting paid your dad, to wear. Your dad may not be too up with that program. <laughs> But yeah, if, no problem. But if not. he but if he can get rid of uh the burden of, you know, hauling you to races and everything else and get you on a pro circuit team or whatever and you have to wear Fox or something, I guess that won't be bad. But it's no, pretty it's pretty it's cool the bad. the gear you know, I'm looking at a bunch of pictures of you online right now and mm-hmm. the gear's pretty cool. Definitely. And um so that's gotta be kinda cool to you know, you get to go to the races and, and show off their gear and nobody else really you know, you're not one of many that have the same color on the same race. Yeah. It, it's pretty cool to be individual and kind of have that one-off. 
Dark Dark Side's yeah, a little yeah. bit of an individual too, in case you haven't ever seen him. Yeah, it's like, it, it, I mean, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, it's a European thing, so they have gear up there, but no one in the States has yeah. gear. So I'm, I'm the only one in the States rocking it. So, yeah, it just makes me that much more different than everyone else. I like it. I like the good it. thing is you're fast, so you make it look good, too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey, so as, as as a top amateur rider, I'm sure you get plenty of opportunities to go train and ride with some of the top professional riders are there any guys that you get to ride with on a regular basis that you've become friends with and maybe give you some pointers? Um, I haven't recently except Marvin out at the track. And, uh, I mean, it's cool when you have, when they have a top guy out there riding the same track as you and you get to see what they're doing and what, and like, it, it, I just thought it was pretty cool. And I know Zacho pretty well. He helped, he helped us out a little bit. Uh, that's pretty much it. Okay. Well, now and growing up, uh, you know, as you're a younger kid, who did who were your idols that were in the sport? Cause, I mean, like we said, we know your dad was a bad dude, but typically you're gonna probably pull for like there's other guys that you probably like because you like to you know it's your dad. You can't really you can't be your favorite rider. Yeah, so who who was your favorite rider growing up? Growing up, I uh, I just remember watching Villa Poto and Dungey. Those are like my top two dudes that I loved watching race each other and ride they just had both different unique riding styles and i really like dungy's consistency and i, I really implemented ryan Villapoto's rear and steering into my ride okay it worked out pretty well i was just going to ask you which one of them do you yeah. like to ride like because they are <laughs> completely different well i like riding fast and intense like Villapoto, but i also ride really really consistent if i'm out at the practice track and i'm i'll do the same lap times every single lap for 20 minutes straight Cool. That, yeah, that's I'm a little bit of both. Yeah. Well, there's not that. That may be a really good mixture. Then, that if you if you're smart enough to know, you know, sometimes there's times you need to back it down, and sometimes there's times you need to play it safe. And Dungy was the master of that. And if you can have that aggression when you need it, like Villapoto, and then be, have that, hey, maybe I'm not going to push it tonight, kind of vibe like Dungy, you may have a really good long career. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. Do you know what the significance of the 711 number is? Because I know your dad ran it. Um, all I knew is he, yeah, like, all I knew is he by cookies at the 711 store, or what? <laughs> what's the deal? No, no, I don't really know how my dad got. Oh, I actually remember him telling me a story when he got that number. He wanted to be the the lowest triple or the shortest triple digit number. He wanted one one one, but I forgot. <laughs> When he was racing, someone took it, so he did seven one one, and that's oh, okay. how he ended up with that number. And did he kind of assign you seven eleven, or did you pick it? Uh, well, I, he also ran three for a while. So when I was riding fifties, I, I picked three for a while, but I always wanted to be seven eleven because I always thought that was like his number. Yeah, he said I was never fast enough until I think twenty fifteen, where I won pretty much every Amateur <laughs> National, and he said I was fast enough to run seven. Now you can run that number. That's hilarious. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, Max, I'm I'm looking forward to watching you this weekend. Um, I think it's going to be really exciting. Honestly, you guys, you know the, the best best race. It's better than watching the pros race typically at Monster Cup. So I'm excited, um, dude. I, I hope you do well. Um, I want to see you go out there and battle for a win, and just stay safe, man. I'm looking forward to it, and I really appreciate you coming on tonight and giving us a little bit of your time. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. Definitely. We'll, uh, we'll catch up with you, you know, again and, and 
kind of just try to do some updates every once in a while as you go through your amateur career and build into a pro. Yeah, sounds good. All right, Max. Thanks, buddy, and you have a good night. Uh, yeah, thank you, too. All right. Talk to you thank later. You. All right, another up-and-coming superstar amateur racer on the Moto X Pod show. I think uh, I think they they're doing it right. They're not living in Southern California, but they're close enough to be able to utilize the the things that you need in Southern California, like the Supercross tracks. You know, the being close to the factory, being close to the media. But it sounds like their program isn't like their lives aren't completely engulfed with you know right the fact that they're not going to florida because it's so far of a drive and and the racing's you know whatever you want to call it you know it's yeah. it's a i've been there many many times and i've struggled with you know how many entries they allow into that place and everything else but uh i uh man i think their program's really good it's solid and it I, sounds like it yeah. i think that that that's a kid that you know, he's not going to be all beat up when he gets to be 16 or 17 and start riding a 250F. And, you know, they're they're keeping him down yeah. until he's ready. Until he's ready, yeah. And he's not going out and showing what he can't do. He's going to go out and show what he can do. And that's that's awesome. I, I really like the program. I do, too. I, I'm so impressed with these amateurs that we've had on the show so far. Like the guys that I've mentioned numerous times, you know. and Of course, we have our own lo- local uh, amateur rider that's part of our show, Doc Smith, and I mean, watching him improve, and hopefully that he'll be up in that, you know, that that class in another year or two, and and making a run with some of those boys. We'd like to see some of that come out of Texas, also. I saw some good videos from him lately on yeah. his Instagram. If if you're not following him, go check out his yeah, Instagram. Yeah, Doc Smith, and he'll be going to Ponca here shortly, and I think they leave next week, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. So that's coming up, and, um, and then Florida. Well, before we wrap the show up, uh, Muscle Mark, uh, he asked us to call him. We're going to give him a quick call. He wants to give his thoughts on Motocross of Nations. And we'll probably call TJ real quick if he's available, and then we're going to try to wrap this thing up because I know Craig's got to drive home, and I've only been home for a little while yesterday since coming back from MX of Nations. So I, I got some uh, snuggling with my chick to do. Not me. So, I no, gotta, you're not gonna snuggle with I my got a chick. Wiener, I got a wiener dog. Oh, I, oh! I thought you meant you weren't gonna snuggle with my chick. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna snuggle with your chick. <laughs> well, so hang tight here. We're just gonna st- call Mark straight up and see if he answers. It's very. This is the professional way to do it, you know, with the yeah. ringing in the background. Absolutely. Hello, Muscle Mark. What's up, dude? What's happening? Uh, we're just wrapping this thing up. Got Craig Martin in studio tonight. What's up, Mark? Craig. How you doing? So we thought we'd holler at you real quick. You wanted to tell us your thoughts on the MX of Nations. It's been a hot topic over the last 48 hours. Yeah, I got. I kind of got roasted on Twitter for that. Uh, I, I haven't seen it all yet, so I, I, I've been really busy. I haven't been on social media a whole lot. What's up? What they? What happened? Oh, I just was like, let's have a, you know, of course, typical response. Let's have a Supercross of Nations and see how that works. But really the point I was trying to make with that is, I just don't think the U.S. puts enough emphasis on uh, motocross. You know, it's all supercross over here now, and it's kind of been swaying more that way the last several years. And then not, not taking anything away from the Euros, these are legit, but or the GP guys. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just like, man, it's just it's every year, it's like, what happened? Like, we used to kill everybody at that event. And it's just, it's almost like we're not even competitive anymore. And I, I mean, that's I think it's more of a testament to how good those guys really are. Oh, no doubt. Like Craig and I have been talking tonight and some of the guys we've had on, you know, with being there and getting to see 
the line choices and the technique and the corners and just the you know like DV said last night on pulp them riding a gear higher they they really are just better outdoors i mean it's just is what it is what you said you know is true we're focused more on supercross we're focused more on the the show and um you know the the guys practice on these perfectly prepped tracks at all times and um rich taylor said tonight on here a little while ago you know then they go home when it starts getting rough i mean we're just we're not we're not on that level we're not on the level those guys are period i agree and it used to not be that way the guys would practice on you know stuff that's not not been perfectly groomed and things. i think they need to get away from that but i mean yeah i don't think it's gonna it happen seems to be, it seems to be a, a, a pretty uh pretty mainstay of a, of a trend if you if you will i guess you know, I, don't, I don't know why why but well, I there's think- there's there's not an easy answer for the for the problem because we are eight months out of the year focusing on supercross and you know these young kids are even starting to yeah to catch on to the fact that it's time to you know to evolve as a supercross rider not as a motocross rider well, yeah we we just got off the phone with max volan and he's he's practicing supercross three days a week yeah from loretta's yeah. all the way to monster cup that's all he does and, um, you know, the bottom line is we're going to end up in a position where going to the donations is like Estonia going or something. <laughs> yeah. Like we're going to go there because Ooh, we bad. need to belong and we're not going there to win. And, um, you know, unfortunately that's where we're going to be. And, you know, I, I just, I, I keep bringing it up. I can't even imagine what next year is going to be like in Austin and, Ooh. uh, with all that sand and, and, you know, being in the Netherlands and being, uh, hurlings and, uh, cold track. And, you know, those guys have so much success on that facility. And, um, and I think at that, at that point, they're going to be burdened with the, um, pressure that Eli Tomac had this weekend that honestly, I think maybe got to him a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so they're going to have that pressure of, they got to kill everyone, and they're going to be the ones that maybe fall apart or have some issues or you know whatever. So uh, you know it's going to be it's going to be tough. I don't I don't think there's any easy answer. Everyone's talking about it. There's not a there's not a fix for it. And um, it, it just is what it is. And and it's going to be what it is. And I don't is think it? the Americans need to to be embarrassed or be dissatisfied in the fact that you know we're kind of a sixth place country at this point um, because you know. It's like if we all showed up for a dirt track race, we wouldn't win that either, you know. So, it is what it is. No, absolutely. And there's all these people talking about it's the coster's time to go. Like that's not going to change. Anything. What did he do? I, I, I hate hearing that because yeah, I yeah, hate it too. I hate the, it too. the decision that Barsha didn't run a bib moose, they're blaming on DeCoster. The the this the decision that they left the open gate two maybe even three motos we can't right. confirm that yet but two maybe even three motos they left the inside gate open um again that's not the coster's thing no. i mean it's technically not really a team race it's three teams yeah. it's factory yamaha it was factory yeah. kawasaki and uh, i yeah. mean they yeah. all had their own pits and their own team managers and and yeah, you know exactly. the, their own people there so the coster can't walk into the yeah. factory Yamaha pits and tell them how to build the bike. You know, Hell, he, he might was, be able to talk to them and suggest something. But he, he was in the KTM pit most of the day <laughs> down there where Hurlings and Cairoli were. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's KTM's guy. I mean, that's kind of where he needs to be. Yeah. You know? it's, uh, we don't see 
realize nothing. We don't see it as a team event, I don't think. And like you said, I mean, I just think, I don't know. I couldn't take away from from what those guys do. But I can't help but think that that red butt track, from what I've seen, didn't look like the red butt track we saw a few months ago. And I'm just going to, I mean, you can leave that up to interpretation. But Oh, it was definitely different. I mean, look, it was only different because of the weather, though. It wasn't the track was the same track. It wasn't anything different. Oh, and by the way, those time. European guys, not a single one of them ever rode there before. So what yeah, does that matter? That. I mean, yeah. if if they went to a completely track that nobody had ever been to, the Americans would have the same problem. So it's not the track. It's not. It's it's not the track. And if you were there and actually watched those European guys go through those corners. You know, the American guys are going in and hitting, blowing out those big old muddy berms and stopping all their momentum. And then when you try to get yeah. going again in that soft stuff, you can't accelerate. And it's no wonder the lap times are no good because yeah. they were holding no speed through the corners. Cold enough, this I corner like- I was at, cold enough, never even hardly even gave it any gas until he got out and it was straightened up again. But he carried so much speed into yeah. the corner, through the corner, and coming out of the corner that he was way faster. And it's just a difference in, in how you ride. And I thought that that soft stuff was like Eli's specialty too. You know what I mean? Like it's supposed to be his mo to be really good in that. That just shows you how good the compared to the other Americans. Yes, yeah. And And the one thing that a lot of people aren't really mentioning is how bad um, Roxon did. And you know, Roxon's pretty much an American now. He's running the same programs. He's riding the same series. He's testing. He's you know, he's in California or in Florida riding perfectly groomed tracks all the time. And the bottom line is, is that he started in the front of the race. That's his second moto and went backwards faster than I've ever seen him go backwards and uh, with no issues. And so it just was, it was just another reassurance that it's not our three riders panicking on the race. You can't have, you can't have Eli Tomac who has handled plenty of pressure. Barsha who has came through with the greatest year of his career as far as his comeback. Um, Plessinger with with the best year of his life. You can't have those three riders, and then you add in Roxon, who has overcame so many obstacles. You can't have it. Can't be that all four of those riders panicked under the the pressure of the race. They they didn't because Roxon's team wasn't thinking about winning anyway. There was no pressure on Roxon, and he still didn't do well. Yeah. So yeah, it yeah. Uh, yeah they may have got caught off guard of what they envisioned the track to be. But it doesn't matter if it was, you know, next year in Austin, they're they're not going to get to ride that track before, so they have to be able to rise to the occasion on the track, and and all of them, all four of those guys, I have well, to say Dylan Frandis was the one guy that does ride in America, but he's only removed two years from the European thing, right? So I'd say that maybe he right. still got you know that knowledge within him, and well, um, so he's the one guy that did it. The GP guys, they run their bikes with a little different setup. I would think, he, you know, with him and his tie, his relationship with the DV, that he probably set his bike up correctly for that stuff, too. And really little, so I think they run them a little soft and things like that. He knows how to ride that, you know, that style that they ride anyways. Like you talk about carrying, carrying more speed, running the gear home and stuff, that is probably – was just like being at home to him at this point. He hasn't yeah. got Americanized enough yet. <laughs> Give him a few more years. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but no, I mean, I, I can remember going back, going to um, Lakewood in 2010 and just being in awe of like Tyrolli and all those GP guys. Roxon was still a GP guy at that point. Yep. And uh, he was 16. And I'm just being, 
I was so excited about these guys, and everybody that was with me was just like, ah, screw them, you know? I was like, whoa, these guys are great, you know? And, uh, of course, we did end up winning that year with that Dungeon Short and Kennard, and it was a great team, but, you know, it is what it is, man. Maybe if we're not going to take motocross as serious, and this, this is going to happen every year, and it is, I mean, and deservingly so, you know? Yeah, I think it's just time that we have to accept that. I mean, look, we can put our best effort forward, but it's not the 80s and early 90s anymore. We are not the dominant country. We may still have chances to win, but we have to understand that we may not win. They're, those guys have gotten way, way better, period. Yeah, and you can't – It's. Uh, I mean, the day – I mean, we can't be that egotistical and think no matter what that we're supposed to be better. That's just not true, you know? The right. thing is, with the 80s and 90s, you know, if you think back to that era, we were already running Supercross, and our guys were learning how to scrub and jump and uh, doing triples and doubles and all that kind of stuff, but the Euros weren't. The Euros, they didn't even have double jumps on their tracks. They had tabletops, and that's it, mm-hmm. um, until yeah, yeah. almost recent years. And um, those guys have now evolved into great jumpers. I mean, they can jump anything, any anything you put in front of them, as you saw with LaRocco's Leap. And again, on TV, they didn't show it as much, but they schooled us on LaRocco's Leap. Yeah, none of our guys jumped no, it. Yeah, no guys weren't jumping it. And the one time that I saw Eli jump it, he, he looked like he was gooning out the whole way over. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, Poland and those guys, they would just carry so much speed through the corner and they would jump it like it was nothing. And cold and yeah, off. Paul oh. was the first guy to pull the trigger on the leap, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah so, absolutely. Yeah. And um, you know, so you know, it's 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 just a different time, a different you know era. And um, you know, if we did bring those guys to a Supercross race, we'd kill them. But you know, that's not what we're doing. That's not what the motocross of nations is about. Right. So. No, I agree, and that's just me being a smartass. People, <laughs> I like saying it just because it pisses them off. But it's uh, I I agree with everything you know we've all said that. It is what it is, you know, and uh, I know we would like us all. We're patriotic. We believe in our guys. We would like them to go there and win. But I mean, let's face it: if you're not, if you're not properly prepared, you're not gonna. You're you're a step behind, and that's just the way it goes, you know. Yeah. So. Well, tell me, tell me. Uh, you watched the thing, you know, at the work site, I'm assuming, or the hotel. What What's something that you saw that, like, the highlight of the weekend for you, or something that you took away that surprised you? Kevin Wyndham. Bam. Kevin the Wyndham. one thing that I well, wish they would have shown answer. was the uh, the Sorry. pancake that he did on the parade lap. Both both of his parade laps in the A mains, he flipped that thing sideways over that uphill triple like you couldn't even believe, and it was so cool. And the place just erupted. Oh, I'm sure he. Uh, it's not that it really surprised me that he did good. I mean, that's Kevin Wyndham, you know. He he just proved old, fat, and off the couch. Forty years old and off the couch, big beard, looks like you know. Looks like a serial killer just can come in there and still do the thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, he, he was pretty stoked. Uh, I interviewed him, uh, gosh, I guess it was Saturday at some point. And he, he, was, he just couldn't believe the crowd and how much they cared that he was back and how much fun it was. And I interviewed Dottie, and, and they, were, they were both just saying how awesome the crowd was. And they're seeing so many people, and everybody knows who their kids are. And their kids – you know, one, the, the thing that they both said that, that made the weekend the best for them was that their kids weren't old enough to really remember Kevin being what he was. And, right. and they're seeing it now and all these people talking to him and people and the kids are like, oh, these people know who I am, you know, and that <laughs> as a family, I think that was an amazing experience for him, it sounds like. 
I just wanted them yeah, to transfer from like LaRocco's leap to the tabletop on the laying <laughs> yeah, over. Yeah. I just wanted to see some huge transfer. That's all I yeah, wanted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's good that we got to see Kevin one more time because that's probably going to be it, right? Yeah, probably. I asked him. I said, hey, man, so uh, let, let's get you signed up for 19. Let's do it again. And he was like, no, nah, no. Nah. One Dottie said one race a year was plenty. <laughs> right, right. So that whole yeah, thing was like a perfect storm. Yeah, I, yeah, he I got his number, so we're gonna get him on the show soon. And uh, yeah, shoot, it was a it was a pretty amazing weekend. I don't I don't think there's. I'm glad I didn't miss it. You know, there was a moment where I didn't think I was gonna go, and God, what an experience. Well, I'm pumped for you guys that y'all got to do that. And I don't know, Craig. You probably I don't know if you've been to one where is it Lakewood 2010 or I've been to one over here at Bud Street, but yeah, I went I, to I 87 I Unadilla. I went to 07 Bud's Creek. I did not go to Lakewood 2010, and then I went this weekend. So I've been to three out of four. Amazing experience. It's something I'll never forget. Yeah, and I wish I could have gone, but you know, with my work schedule, it just is what it is, and. This is our slow time of year, so I don't spend any extra money, anyways. <laughs> right, but well, it, um, it was it was a blast, and I um, I think I may have said this in a text with you, or maybe it was on Twitter or Instagram or something. But the fans, like our fans, were fucking unreal. Like I was, wow. I was never have believed. I mean, Craig, you were there when we were at the race Racer X TV thing, and there was a lot of people for what I would expect coming up and knowing our show. and Did you see the guy in the little T-back uh-uh. little Speedo thing? Uh-huh. Like, he had a complete T-back. Okay. On each cheek, it said red bud and okay. red and blue letters. And on the front, there was his, like, Tim Cotter was in the announcer. I was, a, I was completely amazed that Tim Cotter was saying this. But he was like, yeah, there's a guy down here in the bleachers that's wearing nothing but a T-back. And... <laughs> And on the front side looks like he's pretty excited. There was, there was not much there. That's funny. I mean, it was small. And on his back, it had all three American Riders uh, numbers. Yeah. 25, 26, uh, and 27 on his back. And he's just running around. I mean, it's, it was chilly. Yeah, yeah. He's running around literally. He had a knee brace on, too. So he must be a racer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, so he, uh, he, you know, it's just amazing the amount of people that got dressed up. Skippy was with yeah, us. Yeah, Skippy was dressed Skippy up. Skippy had his, he had a, a unitard on. Unitard or... <laughs> that went over his head. And um, it was the funniest thing seeing a guy run yeah. around like that, too. And, uh, well, I remember telling Jamie to expect to see a bunch of Europeans walking on some wild shit. I did not expect the, Americans the Americans came in awesome. force. Oh yeah, the Americans were blowing it up, man. We 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 came out and uh, did it right for sure as an Americans. But I was wondering where all those chainsaws came from. Did, they, <laughs> did those Euro guys bring those things, or because they were old, beat up looking stuff? So they must have came over and went to the to the local chainsaw shop and bought all the yeah, used, used stuff. one. Yeah. yeah. Well, it I was probably did. it was a hell of an experience. Got to got to meet a lot of people I've never met, and a lot of fans saying hi. And yeah, pretty cool, cool pretty cool weekend. And I'm ready to go do it again. Oh we were, man, I hear you, bud. We were in the VIP tent, and this guy walks up, and you're in a tent, you know, so noise doesn't really get out of the tent. He walks up behind us, and there's this lady sitting in a uh, like a bar stool kind of like a high table, yeah, kind of chair. And he walks up behind her, and he blows one of those air horns inside the tent. Like, it was loud. And she fell out of the chair. Like, it scared her so bad she fell out of the chair. (laughs) I missed that. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. 
<laughs> there was a lot of crazy That's antics, awesome. man. People like, yeah, in the when I was interviewing Travis, there was a guy in the t- inside the Red Bull tent hitting the air horn. That and, was and, that was Randy from Michigan. Yeah, and it pisses me. I looked for Randy. <laughs> we were texting back and forth all day. And I could never find him. Because he was dressed up. He was in the damn tent while I'm interviewing Travis, and I didn't even know it. I never saw him. He had an umbrella on for a Yeah, hat. I saw the pictures later. And he had shoes on that had red, white, and blue lights that were flashing. Right. Yeah. I did find Berluti. That yeah. was fun. That that was an interesting trip. I never saw Berluti. Yeah, I love that. I love Berluti. That's the coolest thing. Yeah, well, he was out in the general public, and he texted me and told me where he was. And it still took me, I bet, a half hour to find him. I was walking up and down the hill looking for him, and he finally. When any one hill, there down. was like ten thousand people. Yeah, that's the thing. I couldn't. <laughs> I, it was just a sea of freaking people. But I finally found him and visited and with him for a little while. Everyone was muddy, so everyone looked brown. You know? <laughs> I'm telling you, when we were at Lakewood in 2010, it was so crazy and crowded. I was standing right next to Josh Hansen in a crowd and did not even know it. Oh he yeah, walked in front of me. Yeah, right that, next to him, like bumped arms with him. Didn't even sure. know it was him. Yep, yep. That's that's yeah. It was almost impossible to catch everybody. I mean, I was pretty thankful of the people I did run into. You know, I mean, well, Ferry was wasn't hard. To, Ferry walked by and caught MC at one point, but yeah, they were just all walking around. Emig was walking around. <clears throat> all those guys. Deegan was all over the place. Cool. So. Cool. I, I hated to miss that, man. I yep. really wanted to go, but it's old field life. You know? I hear you, man. Uh, I hear you. So, uh, all right. Well, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to try to get this thing posted and get the hell out of here. You gentlemen have a good evening. It's good speaking with both of you. All right, Mark. Take care, buddy. Be safe out there. We'll do. Later. All right. See ya. All right. Muscle Mark. Um, Craig, I appreciate you coming in tonight, <clears throat> driving over here from Dallas, Fort Worth area. It was a long drive. It was uh, yeah. two hours of complete pouring down rain. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sketchy situation. I bet it was. Well, I appreciate but, uh, you coming over because I did not have uh, a co-host. JT Cooley was going to try to be in, but he's out on the road. Uh, again, guys, we say it all the time. Go to patreon.com and support us if you're willing. Uh, it really helps out. It it. The reason I was able to go this weekend was because of our Patreon supporters. It means a lot. Um, Shock Socks, MX Girl Designs, All Sport Dynamic Wrist Braces, Mad Jack Synthetics, Fly Racing, and of course our title sponsor, Torque One Racing. Support all of our sponsors. We've got a couple other things in the work coming up. I think we may have a couple new sponsors coming on board. Um, so, uh, yeah, it may, we may have a suspension sponsor coming on board. So that we're going to have some stuff for you guys to help out with or help your suspension out. Of course, the fly helmet. Enter the Instagram contest, guys. Post your pictures. Tag the Moto X Pod Show. Tag Fly Racing. Somebody's going to win one of these Toxin Embargo helmets. And it could be you. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, so, yeah, if there's anything else, I'll just tag it up on Instagram. I'm ready to go home and... Like I said, get in bed with my chick. It's been a it's been a few days, so I'm out of here. Craig, thank you. Thank you. It's always fun. We'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, I have no idea who the guests are. Oh, you know what? I do actually. Um, Dustin Pipe's gonna be on next week. That's the one I have set. He's got some big things he's announcing about Hep Motorsports at the end of this week, and we're gonna have him on next week to talk about it. We'll see you later.